dry desert and the great American Southwest. Bathe in darkness at this hour. I bid you good evening or good morning in more cases than not on Halloween. Across all these many, many time zones where it's not Halloween in the West, Hawaiians, the Asian Island chains, eastward to the Caribbean where Halloween's been underway for some time now. South into South America where it depends. North to the pole and worldwide where it really depends. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Ghost to Ghost AM. <laughs> yes, it's that time of year again. And tonight, we will do what we do every year at this time. Now, what we do is tell ghost stories. So the following recommendation is for you. Turn down the lights. Better yet, turn them off. Turn the radio up as high as you can handle it. Get ready, because you're about to hear some very, very weird stuff. Now, let me tell you how we handle it. Number one, we don't take jokes, although I'm about to make one. All we take on Ghosts of Ghost is serious, real ghost stories. Now, those of you who, who uh, happened to hear the program with Brad Seiger last night, it will be, uh, by the way, repeated over the weekend at some point if you didn't hear it. It was an excellent, excellent, excellent program. Brad is always a very good guest. And when I say real, I mean in the sense that it bit me in the butt last night. And boy, did it bite me in the butt last night. I can't recall at what time it was during the um, Steiger interview. But something happened here last night. And it may have been because of the discussion we were having. I suspect that. I suspect when you invite these things in the sense that you talk of them, they probably notice, particularly on an international program like this. At any rate, we were in the middle of discussing any number of ghostly type things. And at the end of one of my breaks, uh, or at the beginning, more likely, of one of my breaks, really, as I uh, ran the bumper music and prepared to get up and go into the other room, I removed my headsets. And I'm telling you right now, I've got a door, uh, you, you know, to my radio room here, what I call my shack, my radio room, and somebody sent me um, a, a little placard that came from a ship that obviously at one time sailed the high seas, a real placard that says radio room that obviously was uh, in place on the ship's radio room, and so I tacked that to my door long ago. And that is the only feature that adorns the outside of my radio room door. And as I removed my headphones and prepared to get up and turn around and go into the other room during the break, all of a sudden, 
and I'm going to simulate this for you, but there was a crash on my door. And I don't mean there was a knock. I don't mean there was a house settling sound. I don't mean that a jet somewhere broke the sound barrier and impacted the house. I mean there was a crash on my door, one so loud, so strong, that it would have, if I'd seen it, you know, I didn't. It was just as I was turning around, one that would have buckled my, my door inward. Not, not, not in the horror sense of the movies where the door sort of turns into rubber and buckles inward, but I meant, you know, I would have seen it buckle. It was about this loud if I can simulate it like that. And I almost lost it. And I ran, of course, I was already on the way, so I turned around, I opened the door, boom, like that. There was nothing. I was so concerned that I got a weapon and began to check the house. I went and woke my wife up. <laughs> I woke her up and said, did you do that? And, you know, she came out of sleep and was properly annoyed that I had awakened her. I said, of course not. What are you talking about? I have three cats. One might suspect they had done something of that magnitude, and my 20-pounder might have thrown himself up against the door, but wrong. They, too, were all three asleep on the bed with my wife. Three of them. It's crowded. So something hit my door last night hard, really, really hard. I don't have any idea what it was, but I can tell you this. It was not... Nothing. It was something, and it scared the hell out of me. It really, really scared the hell out of me. This morning, somebody sent me something that I thought was genuinely funny. This is probably going to be the only funny thing that we do uh, this night, because we tell serious ghost stories on Ghost to Ghost AM. But I, I felt that I had to read this to you. A vampire bat came flapping in from the night, covered in fresh blood, parked himself on the ceiling of the cave, and prepared to get some sleep. Pretty soon, all the other bats smelled the blood and began hassling him about where he got it. He told them to piss off and go get some sleep. But they persisted until finally he gave in. Grudgingly, okay, follow me, he said, and flew out of the cave with hundreds and hundreds of bats behind him. Down through the valley they went, across a river, into a forest of trees. Finally, he slowed down, and all the other bats excitedly milled around him. Now, now, he said, do you see that tree over there, he asked. Yes, 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 the bats all screamed in a frenzy. Good, said the first bat, because I effing didn't. <laughs> and I thought that was one of the funniest things. I wish I could tell it uh, in true form, but, you know, you can't use those words on the air, so I got as close as I could come. You get the idea. <laughs> Covered with fresh blood his own. Slammed right into that tree. Anyway... I couldn't resist. All right, so what we do tonight, again, is tell real ghost stories. And I know a lot of you out there have real ghost stories. 
Uh, last night should have prepared you to do this. Now, here's the way I look at it. And I've been asked all week, uh, when are, are you going to do Ghost to Ghost AM? And I thought about it and thought about it. And, of course, uh, Halloween is officially on Hallow's Eve on Friday. Well, in some time zones, it's already Friday. And even in this one, uh, in an hour and 45, it is going to be Halloween. So my plan is sort of a non-plan. We are going to do Ghost to Ghost tonight, and then maybe even a little tomorrow night, too. That's the way I'm going to cover it. Because were I to begin Ghost to Ghost tomorrow night, it would already be over in some time zones by the time I begin the opposite problem of tonight. So obviously more hours in the show this night will be in Halloween than they would be tomorrow night. Definitely a difficult decision for me. But I thought, what the hell, we'll do it tonight, and then maybe we'll do a little more of it tomorrow night too. But this is one of the most genuinely frightening shows you will ever hear. Uh, that I... I guarantee. So we'll get to it in a moment. All right, so we're going to tell ghost stories tonight, real ones. Let me give you the appropriate phone numbers. Now, this is not a guest-driven show. This is a program driven by all of you, wherever you are. If you know of a genuine ghost story, if you or one near to you has had an experience that you know to be true, then we want to hear about it. Here are the appropriate phone numbers to respond. First-time callers at area code 702-727-1222. You might want to write these down. 702-727-1222. The wild card lines are area code 702 7271295 west of the rockies toll free it's 1-800-618-8255 1-800-618-8255 the east of the rockies it's 1-800-825 50331 800 Now, you may be somewhere else in the world. Accounts of spirits are not limited to America or Canada or Mexico or really anywhere in the world, because all of this, you know, uh, occurs on a regular basis worldwide. So we have an international toll-free Halloween ghost-to-ghost show line, <laughs> which is as follows. Contact your AT&T operator. Get the AT&T operator on the phone in whatever country you reside in, and have her call 800 800- Eight nine three zero nine zero three, and from whatever location you reside in worldwide, it will be a toll-free 
call from Japan, from Germany, from Great Britain, from the Scandinavian countries to Russia to China. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, just get that AT&T operator and tell her you want to call a toll-free number in America, which is 800-893-0903 now. Ghosts. What are ghosts? Well, we had a long talk with Brad last night about what ghosts are, and we're not exactly sure. Ghosts may, of course, be a sort of horrendously repeating tape loop image of what was once here. We do know that uh, frequently spirits or the remains of what once were human beings seem to appear as apparitions doing the same horrible thing again and again, particularly in instances of suicide, murder, uh, death by various violent and rather immediate means, many times unrequited love, those who die while they are passionately in love with another seem to linger. And then there is a second category of ghosts that is truly frightening, because one might imagine a sort of lingering presence, not really of the soul of the departed, that is uh, replaying some action, a sort of a weak echo of what once was. One might imagine that as a lesser horror than the soul of a departed one, truly trapped on earth, or a disembodied spirit with evil intent, poltergeists, uh, perhaps the more playful, and then the more serious, the really evil presences. Uh, many of you have met up with them. So there are all kinds of categories of ghost stories that I can imagine one might tell. But one thing's for sure. If you listen carefully, if you listen to the people who are going to tell these stories for the most part, you'll find they are very serious, and you will find it is indeed a very frightening process. East of the Rockies, you're on the air on Ghost to Ghost AM. Hi. Hi, Art. It's a privilege to talk to you. Where are you calling from, sir? Um, this is Peter from Syracuse, New York. Hi, Peter. Hi. Um, well, I'm, as a hobby, I'm a parapsychologist when I have the time. Um, I've had many ghost encounters, but the best one that I feel like sharing with you tonight, um, I had a couple friends out in Syracuse who lived in Oswego, and uh, I happened to stay at these people's house you know, for dinner. We're good friends. And I noticed that uh, they asked me if I wanted to spend the night there because it was uh, such a long trip and I didn't have a vehicle. Sure. And uh, I said, sure. So I stayed there and um, at night in the living room on a couch. And uh, when, as I was going to sleep, I felt um, hot spots and cold spots. And um, from what I've studied before, um, there were presence of spirits, I assume. And um, the only indication, though, cold spots. Cold spots, yeah. And um, well, the ne nothing really happened but the spots. And uh, the next day, I mentioned to my friend, 
Uh, I said, uh, what's, yeah, I felt cold spots and hot spots, and um, this is kind of strange. And uh, he said, oh, that's my dad. He died many years ago. He looked at, looked after me. And uh, I said, well, I said, you know, that's kind of spooky, and I got a little scared. He says, oh, don't worry. He's not going to bother you. He just protects me. Well, um, I stayed the second night, and um, there was uh, six steps down the stairs, um, the hot spots, the cold spots again, and um, and I'm getting scared. I'm getting the cold chills up in the back of my spine. I can feel the hairs uh, going up and everything. Oh, yes. And uh, then... Um, I heard a big, loud bang in the attic. A bang. A bang. And you mean the kind of bang, boom, the whole that house. I was... Yeah, the, the whole kind, house shutters. Yeah, the kind that I was talking about that happened last night during the program? Yes. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, I agree with Brad 100% in his findings. All right, look, we're going to hold it at the bang, which is a good point of suspense, and uh, and bring you back after the break, all right? All right, thank you, Art. Stay right where you are. This, of course, from the high desert is Ghost to Ghost, A.M. at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. That's 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now here again is Art. You're not going to believe this. We got up to the point with our caller where there was a crash, like the one on my door last night. And I lost my caller during the break. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you hang them up right at the crisis point. I can't believe it. Anyway, sorry about that. I guess we'll have to pick up on that story when he manages to get uh, back through it. At any rate, the lines are jammed with those who have ghost stories, so... We'll get to it here in a moment. Now, one other little item, and I haven't even seen it myself yet, uh, so you're going to have quite an opportunity here. Coming up tomorrow night, I believe tomorrow night, on Strange Universe, is going to be yet another piece of footage of an alleged alien. And I spoke earlier in the day with Renee at Strange Universe. We have very close connections. And she said, hey, Art, uh, how about if I send you send you a still photograph from the video that we're going to show on Friday? You know me. I said, by all means, fire it along. And so she did. I fired it to Keith. And my sense would be that by now, if you go to the website, as of about five minutes ago, 
a photograph of this alien. Uh, as a matter of fact, a little sample of what you're going to get tomorrow night on Strange University is now residing on my website. So if you want to see it, judge it, make comments on it. Is it an alien? Uh, you'll get the uh, full look see tomorrow night on Strange Universe. You'll get a peek preview on my website right now at www.artbell.com. That's how you get there. www.artbell, that's A-R-T-B-E-L-L.com. All lowercase, no spaces. So there should be at this hour, at this moment, a photograph of an alleged alien on my website. I, too, will go and take a look. Actually, I foolishly have announced it before I went to go look, having just received the call from Keith, so the website will probably get jammed, and I probably won't be able to get through. Anyway, we'll try and take a look here in a moment. It is up there. There's a lot more coming uh, in the next few days. Sightings in Arizona, sightings in California, and I've got photographs coming of both, along with interviews from the people who took the video. That's kind of an update for you. Arthritis pain. Halloween, any night, it's horrible. It's two bones rubbing together. You see, there's supposed to be cart cartilage in there, in between the bones, and that cushions the movement, and when that cartilage is eroded or gone, then you have two ro uh, bones rubbing together, and it's damn painful. Glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate can help. Gelatin is a third element that actually assists your body in regrowing cartilage. It is a long-term solution to arthritis. Now, when you order a 90-day supply of arthritis assist with all of those nutrients, you get a pain relief cream that gives immediate relief to you, free of charge, with your order. This is guaranteed to work or your money back, and you cannot get it in stores. Only here and only by calling one 800-232-5665. That's 1-800-232-5665. All right, back now to the lines, and let us see what we can dredge forth in the world of ghosts. East of the uh, east of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art Bell. This is Howard. I'm traveling to Ohio right now. My truck. Hello, Howard. Uh, you're I'm traveling. Gonna... You're traveling to Ohio. For, uh, where are you roughly now? Um, south of Finley right now. Finley, Ohio. All right. Yeah, I'm a commodity relocation engineer. A commodity relocation engineer. What is that? It's a truck driver. <laughs> it's an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Glad to have you. Uh, do you have a ghost story for us? Yes, I do. Back when I was a youngster, my grandfather was very ill. And the whole family went down to Missouri to see things through. He was in the hospital at the time. We knew he didn't have much time left. Now, I was 12, and my older brother, me and him both, were sitting out on the concrete bench out in front of the house. It was about 9 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. This is a bench where, as kids, we used to sit out there with Grandpa. Sure. Whittling away. Sure. Uh, it wasn't 
too long after it got dark, I looked down the street, and it's old country roads, gravel road. You can hear when people are walking down the road, and we see a figure drifting across the road. It wasn't walking. Not walking, but drifting. Drifting. It was a black, shadowy figure, like a black robe. Mm-hmm. And the driveway across from where we're sitting is real thick gravel. I, a mouse cannot go across there without making a sound. Right. This figure drifts across the gravel right to the edge, about 15 feet from where my brother and I are sitting. We look at each other. And I was thinking to myself, Grandpa is dead. As I thought that thought, the figure just bowed its head as into a, a formation bow as a yes and drifted back. I looked at my brother. He looked at me. He says, I saw it too. I think Grandpa's dead. When we went into the house, I told my mom, my dad was at the hospital with my grandpa. So my mom and my grandma, grandpa just died. No sooner than we said that did the phone ring. It was my dad stating the obvious. I think it was a close encounter with the Grim Reaper. It's not unusual. The story you just told, uh, thank you very much, is not unusual. Many, many times. And we'll have to think about why this might be. Those who pass on, in the very few moments after their spirit has been separated from their body by death, somehow, somehow manage to get back to relatives, those who still live, those they have loved, those they care about. Somehow they make their appearance to those people moments before there's any notification of death. All of this, of course, very important in considering the incredibly giant question about whether we continue after this life. Uh, one of the reasons uh, ghosts, images of what was, are so important is because they move toward proving that there is more after this life. Now, let me read you an Associated Press article that just now cleared the wire. Just now cleared the wire. Our Washington Associated Press, working at the White House, has turned some of President Clinton's aides, including his spokesmen, into firm believers in ghosts. I believe it, Press Secretary Mike McCurry told reporters Thursday when asked about a long-standing rumor that the White House itself is haunted. McCurry says he's heard that President Lincoln still lurks around the Lincoln bedroom and that some aides have seen a former usher walking the halls, refusing to let death keep him from his job. There have been serious people who have serious tales to tell about these encounters, said McCurry. Of course, Clinton and First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton haven't met any ghosts. They sort of stay confined to Eleanor Roosevelt and safer territory, said McCurry, referring, of course, to Mrs. Clinton's much-ballyhooed imaginary talks with her predecessor. 
For years, White House visitors have reported seeing famous ghosts in the mansion, such as First Lady Abigail Adams toting laundry to the East Room and Lincoln gazing sadly out a window, bent over tying his shoes or knocking on his bedroom door. But there have also been sightings. Remember now, this is AP you're hearing. There have also been sightings of the less famous Usher, a distinguished-looking black man with gray hair. He is said to have walked past a staffer in the White House residence once uh, during the Clinton term, all dressed up in his black suit and white shirt. As the story goes, the aide didn't recognize the usher and asked, Can I help you? And he replied, No, I'm just passing through. When the aide later asked other ushers who the guy was, she was told he had died a while ago, but comes and visits every now and then. McCurry declined to discuss how the White House deals with its ghostly intrusions. You may want to see if the Secret Service will be willing to comment on their power and natural division, spokesman joked. He cautioned reporters not to assume uh, they are seeing a ghost if they find one scribe too many among their ranks Friday. Uh, so there you have it, uh, the Associated Press now actually seriously reporting on manifestations in the White House itself. West of the Rockies, you're on the air on uh, Ghost to Ghost AM. Hi. Hello, Art. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And to you. Where are you, uh, sir? This is Peter from Lakewood, Colorado. I talked to you two years ago, and strangely enough, it was about this time. Okay. Um, many, many years. This is a true story. It did happen to me. Okay. And um, many, many years ago, I was in the ministry and uh, studying the ministry, and I had taken my grandfather out to uh, for an evening of uh, sporting events, and uh, he lived in the country. Um, and I took him back home around 11:30, 12 o'clock, when the sporting event had finished. Mm -hmm. And um, after leaving him at his home, which was a farmhouse, I was coming down the country road, and there was like a bend in the road. And uh, looking out my car window, I saw something was stirring the horses out in the field. And uh, being, uh, you know, those are our horses, I decided to park my car just uh, past the bend and walked my way back to the bend. And I started looking over the barbed wire fence to see what was stirring the horses. Sure. As I started looking uh, out toward the horses, I heard a rumbling in the weeds and the grass only a few feet in front of me. When you say rumbling, what do you mean? Kind of a moving of grass or kind of the crackling of uh, of weeds. You so know? More, like a, more like a rustling. There you go. Okay. And as I looked, this is where everything starts getting strange. Um, as I looked into the weeds and the grass there, I saw a sort of a vision of a man and a woman laying in the grass. Mm. Uh, and I thought to myself, I said, uh, I said, oh, this is stupid. You've walked on to some than private here in the middle of the night and and I just couldn't cogitate what was going on as I looked again these two figures kind of shrunk I don't know how to others say it but they just kind of shrunk you mean literally literally this vision kind of shrunk and in size and became something black and white and 
Asbury and just ran right toward me. And as it came right to me oh at, in the bend, yes. there was there was a, a water pipe, you know, that runs uh, for the ditches that run under the dirt roads. Yes, it went right into the ditch, into this um, this drain, this uh, drain pipe that went on that goes under the. Um, uh, the, the road there anyway to make as, as to go on I was very confused and I kept on looking at the end of this pipe that went under the road and as I looked further two little hands emerged out and grabbed the edge of the pipe and I kept on looking and out of the oh, pipe man. came the face of a little boy and it was a grayish white ghoulish looking little face and it had black fur all over where his hair was. And he looked at me, I looked at him, and startled, it went rustled back into the pipe. Well, I was afraid. I walked. Afraid? My, my God, I'd be running as fast as my feet would carry me long before it came back out of the pipe. I mean, when the thing shriveled and went into the pipe, I'd be gone. How did you stand your ground? Well, Art, I was confused. I was, when you see something starting like that, I wasn't scared. It was more like, first of all, it was, oops, I, I uh, walked into something, and all of a sudden it shrunk, and I got confused. I didn't know what to make. When I saw that little face come out and then go back in, I headed back for my car. I got in my car, started it up, and then I said to myself, hey, wait a minute, you are a divinity student, you're a minister, there's nothing that can, you know, harm you. So I stopped, turned off the car, went back out there to the bend, got down on my knees and started praying. And after I said a few prayers, I, I just got back up, got in my car and took off. The next day, I went to my grandfather and I told him about what happened and he said, I don't want to tell you what went on here. I want you to tell your father the same thing and see what he has to say. I said it to him and I went back and told my father and my father said that many years ago he and uh, my grandfather were at the farmhouse and there used to be a little house, a small little one bedroom house right where that bend was and a woman had lost her child and they had heard that she had turned to black magic to try to have some kind of connection with her dead child. Yes. And, the, and one time, well, uh, during what well, they felt she was performing, they saw a fireball come out of her house, the front of her house, roll across the yard, roll across the, uh, the, the gravel area in the bend, I mean the road there in the bend, jump over the fence and roll around in the field right about where the horses were. And um, I know it sounds like a fantastic story, but it is a true story. And I think it was the, what I saw in that pipe was the ghost of that little boy. And you know, the only question that I just I have to have answered sure. is whether what you saw really was what was left of that little boy, not gone elsewhere but trapped here, or whether it was just some sort of weak image, some sort of barely visible, horribly repeating little loop of, you know, what had occurred. Until I find out the answer to that question, these kinds of stories will forever scare me. Because if it was the uh, the soul of that little boy, then obviously he wasn't where he should have been. All right, um, you know, I have, uh, I'm, uh, you know, in my 40s and, uh, I've tried to figure that one out, uh, but I can tell you, the face of that little boy, that grayish, uh, the only other time I've seen something like that was I was 
volunteering in the hospital and I saw a little child who was about to pass away, he had that same grayish pallor. And uh, if it wasn't something supernatural that the, um, uh, you know, these black magic had produced, it definitely was that little child who's caught in that corner and maybe will be there forever. But um, I, I, I told you this story two years ago, and you had kind of the same response. And uh, it's 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 the one that will puzzle me for the re- uh, till my grave, that's for sure. I appreciate your telling it, or in this case, retelling it. Thank you, my friend. Art, we love you here in Denver. Thank you. Take care. Um, that will haunt me uh, forever with regard to this subject. Uh, truly, it seems impossible to believe though I suppose it is possible, that an innocent youngster dying way before his time would have his spirit trapped through some horrible cosmic joke here on Earth. I don't want to believe that. First time caller line, you're on Ghost to Ghost AM. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm all right. Where are you, pray tell? I'm calling from Boston. Boston, Mass. Yes, and my story is a little less spooky than your previous caller, but it is, in fact, the truth. My father passed away three years ago, and I was driving from Boston from my work to my home on the Mass Turnpike. Mm-hmm. And um, my car died in the middle of the Mass Turnpike, in the middle of traffic. Just died? It, yeah, it, 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 didn't, it didn't sputter. It didn't do anything. It just died. Everything shut off. All right. I got out of the car because everyone was piled up behind me. Oh, you mean you stopped in a lane? It was in the middle lane. Oh, my, so the, oh the fast my. lane was on my left-hand side, and the slow lane was on my right-hand side, and I was in the center lane. That's a horror story all by itself. <laughs> it really is. Anyway, go ahead. And so all of the traffic started to pile up behind me, and I got out of the car to look for help. And on the turnpike, anyone who's familiar with Boston, there are not any areas to pull off on the turnpike between Boston and the next toll. Um, it, there's no lane. And so I, I decided I was going to get out of the car and get for help, and I took the keys, and the car just sort of started. And anyone can explain that by saying there's some sort of an electrical wiring problem, there's sure. some sort of a whatever. Sure. I got in the car, and I just said to my dad, who had passed away, please get me out of this, and please get me to safety, please, please, please. Mm. And the car did start, and it moved, and it pulled up to where there was a turnoff area, and it died there. And I was able to get into that place. Wow. And it's not nearly so spooky as some of your callers. No, it isn't. But but obviously, your dad intervened long enough to get you to safety. Well, that's what I feel. And you asked earlier, why do these things happen to people, or why do these unexplained phenomena happen to people that they love. Yes. And I think that it can be explained in a number of ways, and I don't think that a certain religion or a certain belief needs to be offended by the question. In my dad's case, I'm a Catholic, and Catholics are brought up to know that when you die, you go to heaven, and heaven is everything that you love. And my father loved me and my family, and therefore, his being around us is not spooky. I consider it but common sense. Totally possible. Uh, so listen, we're, at the, we're at the top of the hour, and I've got to go. But I want to thank you for the story. That's exactly the kind of story we want. I take it you're listening to our new affiliate, WRKO, Boston. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. We'll be right back. 
Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. International callers may recharge in the Kingdom of Nye by first dialing their access number to the USA. Then 1-800-893-0903. 1-800-893-0903. And you may fax Art by calling area code 702-727-8499. That's area code 702-727-8499. Please limit faxes to one or two pages. Now again, here is Art Bell. Once again, here I am. Good morning. This actually is Ghost to Ghost AM this night, this morning in some time zones. And it's not guest-driven. We have a lot, a lot of, believe me, I have a lot of guests who would want to be on this night. But intentionally, I don't do it. I leave this night and perhaps tomorrow for you, all of you, to tell your ghost stories. So far, the one from the pipe is the winner. That one will haunt me for some time to come. So we'll get back to it in a moment. And, yes, I just checked the website, and the photograph, uh, courtesy of Strange Universe, is there. Somewhat dark, because, of course, it's from a video grab, part of the video you'll see tomorrow night on Strange Universe. But this, this alien... If you want to call it an alien, and it certainly is alien in nature, uh, looks to me in the still photograph. Now, it's just me, but it looks more like a horrid creature that you would meet in a nightmare. I mean, it's pretty horrible. But it's on the website right now. They just sent it to me. We got it up there about a half hour ago. If you want to see it... Um, Dare you take a look. Uh, you've got to click on the little image to get the full picture. Otherwise, you'll lose all the impact, so get the full photograph. It's on my website right now at www.artbell.com. And I want to thank Renee and Strange Universe for giving us the preview of what apparently is going to be on tomorrow night. My God, that thing looks absolutely horrible. Horrible. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Ghost to Ghost AM. Hello. Hi, good evening, Art. Good evening. I'm Bob from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Hi, Bob. Um, I've had so many ghost encounters that uh, it's hard to know which one to pick. But well, I'll try and pick the best. I'll pick the most recent because they're all pretty good. All right. Uh, this wasn't particularly scary, but I guess it taught me a lesson. About three years ago, I worked as a motel desk clerk, and there was a gentleman who was a permanent resident at the motel in room number three. Right. I did the night shift, and I'm not particularly a night person, although since listening to your show, I've somewhat become one. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, I found that generally between the hours of 2 a.m. and 5 a.m., I wasn't a particularly sociable person. Kind of, like, kind of like the hours you've got back there right now. It's a little after 2 o'clock in the morning there now. Yeah. And usually I would sort of run out of steam because, as I say, I was essentially a day person. Sure. Well, this gentleman, there was a gentleman in room three who would come over every morning at about four o'clock and drive me crazy with uh, really inane conversation about, you know, how about them Yankees and stuff like that. Yeah, I know those people. <laughs> and um, it used to be a, a, a test of my patience to... Uh, courteous to this gentleman, and he would always end his conversation with a long tribute to his mother.
mother and what a saint she had been, and he would go on and on and on. She had passed away about 10 years ago. Sure. Well, he did this for maybe, you know, just about every night. But one night he said, you know, I think the ghost, I think the spirit of my mother may be visiting me because the other night there was a, a knock on the bedboard. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Well, you know, he probably bumped it with his elbow. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so I didn't think much of it. And uh, shortly thereafter, he was invited by his brother in Connecticut to go visit. So I thought, well, finally we're going to get some peace and quiet here. <laughs> so the, the time came, and he took off to Connecticut, and his room was uh, empty. And I, I was looking forward to a night of peace. And um, it was pretty quiet until about 1 o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden, the phone rang at the desk, and it indicated that there was a call coming from room number 4, which, of course, was the room next to his. Yes. And I thought, you know, this is odd. I don't remember anyone being in room 4. And I looked at the registration sheet, and there was nobody registered for room 4. I wouldn't like that. But I thought, well, you know, maybe... Maybe the maid left the door open or something, and one of the guests sure. walked into that room or something. Logical. So I answered the phone, and this voice from a thousand miles away, of an old woman, says, Oh, I guess I have the wrong party, and faded out to nothing. So I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe I better go look, because as it happened, room four was directly across from where the motel office was. Yes. So I walked over about 30 feet. Uh-huh. I opened the door. There was absolutely no one in the room. The phone was on the hook. And it occurred to me that maybe what happened was this gentleman's mother had come to visit him in room number three in spirit, found that he wasn't there, became confused and decided to look into room number four and somehow managed to manipulate the phone to work. And um, I have no other explanation. I appreciate the story. Thank you. Um, Interesting because, of course, a motel phone system is utterly private. In other words, that call could not have come from anywhere else but room four. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. There are many accounts of spirits making phone calls. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi there, good evening, audience. Good evening, you're going to have to get good and close to the phone and speak up good and loud. Where are you calling from? Calling you from Texas. All right. I have a very good story for you. Fire away. Okay, this happened when I was 19 years old and I was looking for my first apartment. And I had an apartment locator help me out. Sure. Of course, trying to find something that I could afford on a student's salary. You bet. Now, I do believe, because of what happened to me at this age, that spirits try to trick us. They try to make us think that they masquerade, that they are good people, Mm -hmm. that they are indeed only masquerading as good departed, and their intentions are different. Sure. What we believe. Yeah, I, I can't rule anything out. I mean, there are obvious good deeds. You heard the lady on the freeway in Boston. Yes, well, that was indeed a good deed. Well, 
But sometimes I think that they masquerade as good when they really are evil. So do I. Some of them are evil. Yes. Anyway, this apartment that I inherited, they called me on the phone. They told me they had this great apartment for me, that it was furnished, and everything was in it, equipped kitchen, everything, towels, you name it, it had it, bed sheets. It was a, belonged to an old woman who had died, and they didn't, she had nobody left, so they didn't have anybody to give these things to, and they were trying to rent it to someone like me. I, of course, jumped at it because it was quite economical. Okay. And uh, as soon as I moved in, funny things started happening. Like what? Well, the first week when I was cleaning house, and, of course, it had cleaning supplies there. I didn't have to buy a darn thing. Hmm. And I was cleaning my house. Oh, and I have to tell you, the windows had locks and bolts on them. The door had deadbolts. It had two deadbolts. It had chain, the chain that goes over. Right. Plus, it had, you know, an extra, the regular lock. And then the little, you know, those little tabs that go up and down into the floor and the ceiling? I do. Okay. The windows also had those. All right. So this was somebody who had been uh, very security conscious. Yes. She was quite elderly. So anyway, I am cleaning, and all of a sudden the phone rang. You know, I had the mop and the soap and everything out. And I go to answer the phone. I come back. Well, all my cleaning supplies are gone. Gone? So I thought that was weird. Another time I was cooking... And same thing, either a knock would happen at the door or the phone would ring any time I tried to use something that belonged to this woman. And this time I was cooking. I had the food on the stove. I had everything, you know, the cutting board out, the knives, everything. The phone rang. I went to see what was happening, picked up the phone, nobody there. I come back, and the whole kitchen's clean. Oh, boy. The whole kitchen is clean? It's clean. There are no dishes dirty in the sink, you know, that I had used that had belonged to her. It was as if. You know, the spirit was saying, hey, this is mine. You can't use it. All right. Now, you know, at this point, I would freak out. At this point, you know, I'm getting, yeah, as you say, okay? Well, one night, there are two other eerie things that happen here, and each time they just start getting eerier and eerier. One night I'm asleep, and as I say, I live by myself. I'm 19 years old. I'm not going to tell you about my cat, okay? My cat just started going totally berserk. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm asleep, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and I feel somebody staring at me. And I said, nah, you know, it's just me. And I go back to sleep. And in the morning, I wake up, and the windows are all open, including the one in the kitchen, the one in the living room, the one in the bedroom. Mm. They're all open. And mind you, they had all the bolts and everything on them. The door is standing wide open. Okay, at this point, I've got to ask, how could you stay there? Well, I just started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to beat her at this, at her game. Okay, I would call my mom and say, Mom, you know, this is happening. She says, nah, you just, you just, you know, you can beat this. And I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to play this game. All uh-huh. right? So I started saying, okay, if you're good, you can stay. If you're bad, you must go. And anything, something eerie, anytime something eerie would happen, like my cat would started attacking people when they came in, and my cat was very docile. And I just started saying, okay, spirit, if you're good, you may stay. If you're bad, you must go. Mm. And the spirit would disappear. Now, but, another but, but time. Then, but then come back. But then come back for more, yes. Well, you know, as a 19-year-old, you think, okay, well, you know, this is just a game. 
Anyway, the very last straw, a friend and I took another friend to the airport. We were at my apartment. Uh, we left. I locked everything up. We went to the airport. We came back. Okay, just my other friend and I. Yes. We tried to open the door, and again, I had my keys in hand, and I opened the first lock, and I opened the second lock, and I opened the third lock. Sure. And I'm trying to open the door, and the door is unlocked. You can tell it's unlocked, you know, because you try to push on it, and it would open just kind of like an inch, but sure. not open any further than that. Yes. And my girlfriend, my hair, my hair is standing up on my arm as I'm doing it. You're trying to tell me somebody's on the other end holding the door closed. Exactly. Oh. And we're pushing on the door, and finally she's with me. I say, "Help me! Something's happened. You know, she won't let me in." And uh, we're pushing on the door, going, "Let us in! Let us in!" And all of a sudden, I said, "Oh wait! I'm supposed to say this. If you're good, you may stay. If you're bad, you must go." All of a sudden, the door flies open, and we're in the apartment. I'd be out of that apartment so fast, cheap and goodbye or not, I'd be gone. We were gone. <laughs> that, that was enough, huh? I packed up my cat, and I said, <laughs> we're gone. <laughs> you know, uh, while we're on the subject, cats absolutely sense the presence of things that we do not. That is true. There's no question about it. A lot of people will have things to... Listen, thank you very much for your call, and, and listen on the air. I, I can tell you, as a cat person, that's absolutely true. Cats, cats, haven't you ever noticed? They always see things that we don't see. Now, you might imagine they're just sort of concocting a little playful mouse or something in their mind, and maybe, you know, maybe they do a little of that, but they also unaccountably and totally freak out. And I have been convinced for years that they see things that we don't. And we don't know a lot about the difference between humans and animals and, the, you know, what we see and what they see. And it may well be that they see in a spectrum or a dimension that we don't. Cats are uniquely sensitive to the presence of, I think, things that we don't know about. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art. Hello. Hi, this is Terry from Kinsman, Ohio. Welcome. Hi, I love your show. Thank you. Uh, my story isn't as good as hers. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. Or a bad one, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, uh, our house was built in 1880, and uh, we moved in, and um, some funny things have happened here. Um, like, like at night, the chairs, sometimes like if you're in bed, you'll hear the chairs move in the kitchen by themselves. Oh, not good. Well, it's scary. <laughs> And, you know, I thought it was my imagination or an animal, but the dog was in bed with us. And it happened another time, and my husband, you know, he heard it, and I was asleep. So um, things like that. And um, uh, I went to a clairvoyant, and he told me that spirit was trying to get my attention. And that's, you know, he says they open the bedroom door, too. And, uh, you know, then I noticed that, that the, the door you know, occasionally will open by itself in the bedroom. Um, we've also seen spirit in our barn and upstairs in our house. What did you see? It was like a, uh, it's like a flash. I mean, it wasn't like it stood still for me to really see it. It's just you see an outline of a person. It's like in gray and white. I could tell it was Now, a how can you, 
I, I really have to ask people this, and I suppose there's, you know, a practical side, but how can you stay in any place after <laughs> you've seen something like this? Well, you know what my reassurance was that I was just told that, you know, it wasn't anything bad that, you know, and, and when you're opening um, clairvoyantly, you know, sometimes people are more sensitive to seeing these things. But thank God my husband sees it too, or I think I was a total nut, you know. Well, what did he do? Most husbands uh, would uh, muster up what testosterone they had and <laughs> go into the other room trying to figure out what it was, probably with some kind of blunt instrument or <laughs> gun or knife in their hand or something. I know he thought of that. He said he was afraid to come downstairs, but he came down and checked it out and everything was all right. But we've also, we've noticed, um, and other people when they come over, they'll notice like the scent of rose. Oh. And, yeah. You'll, you'll smell that in here, and it'll be in the middle of winter. And um, if you're working outside, sometimes you'll smell the scent of tobacco, like pipe tobacco. Yes. But I know what you're saying. It makes your heart pound, but I guess since I've been reassured, you know, that it's spirit and it's not anything harmful, you know, that it's okay. Well, I, I would hope that I could react that way, but I don't know how much of it I could put up with. I had, if you listened last night, I had something very weird happen to me last I night. I heard about that. Yeah, and if there was a lot of that that went on, yeah, I'd be out of here. <laughs> I mean, I'd be out of here. There wouldn't be any two ways about it. <laughs> I'd be out of here. I, oh. I appreciate your call. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I, I had a horrible bang on my door last night. Right in the middle of the interview with uh, Brad Steiger, right at uh, going into a break as I took my headphones off, as I as I told the earlier audience and last night, this tremendous crash on my studio door. And there was no mistaking what it was. I have no idea, not even a clue as to where it came from. But I can surely tell you it was nothing alive in this house. It was nothing external to the house. It was not on the wall. I had taken off my headphones. My ears were clear uh, to be able to hear it, and it was a crash. It wasn't a minor thing. It was a crash on my door, and I totally freaked out. Now, it may well be that when you talk about this kind of thing, which gives me a little bit of pause tonight, that you bring it on. I don't know. But I don't want to hear any crashes tonight. I like listening to ghost stories. I don't like living them. That's one thing. We all like to sort of vicariously be scared. But, and that's a subject unto itself, but when it happens to you, believe me, it's a horse of a different color. We'll be right back.
Richard Bell in the Kingdom of Nye from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. That's 1-800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, call Art at 1-800-618-8255. That's 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, dial Art at area code 702. 727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-727-1222-
She asked if we had a power surge or something because the call light in Dorothy's empty room had just gone off at 11.07. Dorothy, rest in peace. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi there, how you doing? Okay, where are you, sir? I'm in lovely Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, California, KSCO. Right close to the ocean. I'm glad you're on KSCO now. So are we, yes. Uh, you have a ghost story for us. Yeah, I do. Actually, I've had a couple of strange experiences, but I'll just uh, list the one that sticks in my mind the most. Um, I have to preface this by saying it happened when I was around seven or eight, so um, it may have been colored by previous years <laughs> of my life. Could be. But uh, who knows? Anyway, the, it goes like this. My, I grew up with, um, my mother was a medium and my father was a musician. Strange life. We were on the road a lot. And, um, you bet. Never stayed in any place longer than a couple of, you know, two or three months at a time. I know the life, yes. <laughs> well, and, uh, we just moved into a place in Minneapolis and um, it was a new apartment. And uh, we were all sort of camped out on the floor. It was a big sort of studio apartment with the kitchen offset and a bathroom and a large sort of bedroom, living quarters, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, there was my mother and I and my father all sleep on the floor, laid down on, on blankets and things. And I just started to nod off, and um, she woke me up, and she said, Honey, look at the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and I, I didn't sit up or anything. I just sort of opened my eyes and sort of peered through the blankets and, there was a party of probably somewhere between 15 and 20 people um, in cocktail outfits. Um, I, I don't remember not to remember the period or whatever, but they were they were well dressed. I remember women had jewelry on, men were wearing. Um, wait, 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 wait. This is in your private place. This is in our kitchen. In your kitchen, you walked in, and there's 15 to 20 people. I didn't walk in. I was I was laying on the floor. Yeah. And my and my mother waking up. I was, I was lying next to her, and she woke me up, and she said, "Yes, look what's happening." So I sat and watched for a while, and I watched um, a man who I will never forget uh, how he looked. He was wearing a um, dark suit. He had brown, very neat hair, and he was talking to a, a woman, and he had a drink in his hand. She had a drink in her hand. And I watched him for a while, and um, he saw me, and he saw my mother, and we were awake. My dad was laying next to my mother asleep, and I was yes. laying next to her, and, and she said, be, be real quiet, don't do anything. She whispered, you know, and I said, okay. And um, he made a motion to the woman, and he came, came right over to me, leaned right over me, and my blankets were down sort of six inches from my chin or whatever, and he grabbed the blankets, tucked them around my my uh, shoulders and uh, my eyelids were like half open and getting weird chills now talking about this but and uh, tucked them in and uh, walked right back to the rest of the party it happened for a few less than several couple of minutes maybe and they sort of just stopped and I remember asking my mom what happened and she said well I think that we just saw a cocktail party that happened here a while back well when you say they just stopped. I mean, we're talking about 15 or 20 people. You mean they just vaporized? That's right. Yeah, and it sounds really, really terrible and really cheesy, and, and I really hate to, to be a part of the whole cheesiness when it comes to this kind of paranormal stuff. But but it really happened. It, it really happened, and, and also they were um, they were semi-transparent. In other words, you could see... 
could see things through them, but they did they did seem to have a sort of three dimensional quality. And and they were dressed in what manner? Do you recall? I mean, was it a period? Could you identify a period of dress? I don't. I don't know now. I mean, now the way I remember it, yes, there it was a period of you know 30s or 40s, but that could definitely be coloring in my part as far as uh, you know the things that I've seen and learned. Was there any attendant flash or other phenomena that accompanied their coming and going? None. What's well. As far as their coming goes, I was woken up by my mom and she. So you wouldn't know. So I wouldn't know. As far as they're going, no, they just sort of left. I mean, just sort of drifted off. <laughs> That's a weird story. I, you, you've got to wonder if occasionally there's not a kind of a slip in the space-time continuum. I very much believe that. I very much think that's what happened. And I, more than being spirits sort of that are walking around this world, I wonder if I didn't just sort of see back in time or who knows. And the, the odd thing is my mom's dead now. She died of cancer. Um, but before she died, in my adult life, I brought this up several times. And, I mean, shortly before she died, I brought it up to her. And, uh, I mean, everything is exactly what I described it as far as her memory and my memory goes. So it, it, um, there may be coloring there, certainly from, um, you know, my, my youth. But uh, but your mom recalls it as you did. Absolutely. Oh, that's a weird one, sir. That's a weird one. I really appreciate your call. Yeah, well, thank you for taking that little right. show. Thank you. Uh, there you are. I've heard of these things before. I don't know what it is that we're talking about here, uh, but as I said, I think a kind of a slip uh, occasionally occurs. Maybe a dimensional slip, maybe a space-time continuum little little crack in the wall, in the dimensional wall. I don't know. But something comes across, and it's there, uh, or it's almost there. And then, as quickly as it came, it's gone. Why is it so interesting? Because of what it tells us about what we may be living in. And that may be our own dimension, that it is occasionally broached or touched by another. East of the Rockies, um, if I can press the button, there we go. East of the Rockies, you're on Ghost to Ghost AM. Hello. Hey, Art, this is John from Oakdale, Long Island, New York. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, Long Island, welcome to the uh, program. Yeah, thank you, Art. I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. And uh, what happened is that a friend of mine died and opened his CD. I never met him. He said that he was fooling around with a Ouija board, and the thing was that him and another friend of his were playing around with it, and it spelled out death on it. It scared the living daylights out of both of them. So they just got rid of that thing, like, like right away after that. Well, um, how many people uh, were operating the Ouija board, too? I believe it was two on. Uh, as everybody knows, or maybe they don't know, you put your hand, uh, or two people do or more, on this... Um, a little movement piece, and it will go seemingly automatically to the various letters. And you're telling me it spelled out death. That's what happened. And was there a death? Um, I haven't heard of anything yet, if there was a death or not. Well, you're right about one thing. If I were, um, if I were playing with a Ouija board, uh, thank you very much for the call, and it spelled out death, that would be the last of that. But I know better. I don't, uh, I don't play with Ouija boards. In fact, my one experience with a Ouija 
board, I don't even really talk about publicly, even today, even after all these years. Thank you very much. West of the Rockies, you're on Ghost to Ghost AM. Good morning. Hi there. Um, my name's Judy. I'm calling from Reno. Hello, Judy. Hi. Um, I have kind of a, a pleasantly eerie ghost story, if there is such a thing. As in now? I'm sorry? As in now? You mean it's occurring now? No, no, no. Um, but it's, it, it happened about, about ten years ago. Okay. Um, my grandmother had died about a week previously. And my mother and I, I, I was living in California at the time. And... Um, she lived about, my grandmother lived about a half hour from, from where I did. And my mother and I were on our way to clear out her apartment and uh, take care of last-minute details. Sure. And uh, we're driving along um, Highway 99, which is one of the two main, you know, highways in California. Mm-hmm. And we're about halfway there, and all of a sudden I smell this overwhel- overwhelming sense of smell of flowers in the car. And I just kind of glanced at my mother who was driving, and she glanced at me, and I said, flowers? Yeah. And she said, yeah. So she smelled them too. Right. And I don't know if anyone's familiar with Highway 99, but there's, uh, in the center divide, there's oleander bushes. Mm-hmm. We're quite a long ways. Um, we're about an hour and a half south of Sacramento. And our first thought was that it was the oleander bushes that, for some reason, you know, we we were able to smell them, though we'd never been able to smell them before. Um, so we rolled down the windows thinking that, you know, such an overpowering smell in, of flowers in the car, it would have to be amazing outside. So we rolled down the windows, and there was no smell coming from outside. What do you imagine you smelled? It, it was flowers. But but why? From where? From uh, we talked about it and immediately thought of my grandmother who had died a week previously. Why? Why would you identify flowers with your grandmother? Well, I didn't know this until later. I'm not real familiar with the the scent of flowers, but my mother told me later. I don't know if this was, you know, she's she's pretty familiar. She's a, a nature girl, um, but she said it was the smell of carnations which was my grandmother's favorite flower. Very easily identified. Uh, we sell miniature carnations, and they have a very distinctive, very pleasant smell. You can, yeah, you can and I, I, you know, I've smelled them since and, you know, can recognize them now, but at the time, you know, I was 20 years old. It wasn't, you know, too known in the ways of the world, but, sure. you know, we're in, this, we're in a van. You know, my mom had an old Volkswagen van, but there was nothing in the car that could have caused that smell of flowers. Interesting. You're you're not the first one to indicate uh, a presence by odor. Yeah, it was very strange. Very many, many times, spirits uh, are apparently identified by by odor. I don't know why that would be, but I I imagine it could be certainly true because it is one of our senses. And right. So there you are. All right. Well, thank you. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the call. It's one of our senses, and one of the ways. That a presence could make itself known. No question about it. First time caller line, you're on Ghost to Ghost AM. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay. I have a story um, about 15 years ago. By the way, my name is Lauren. I'm from Nevada, California. Yes. Um, about 15 years ago, a boyfriend of mine was killed very violently. 
and it was a horrible loss to me. Um, he used to wear, you know, the clips that you wear on your belt buckle that have the uh, key for your key ring. Sure. After he passed away, I would hear between the bucket seat of my car and the passenger door where he used to ride, I would hear a bell. And the, after the, the first time I heard it, I almost, I hit the brakes and, and almost had somebody rear end me. It scared me so bad. Mm. Um, I continued to hear it. I told a friend of mine about it, and she didn't think I was nuts, and eventually she heard it. Oh. Now, I have to tell you, I cleaned my car out from stem to stern. There was nothing in my car. That would be my reaction, too. That's what I would do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, eventually, uh, she had told me a story after I told her mine, you know, what I was hearing, that she had seen her father um, after he passed away when she was a young girl. So I'm assuming that my boyfriend felt comfortable enough to, to let her hear him as well. And she convinced me to go to a psychic because this had to be him and, and to find out what was going on. And so you did. And I did. And this man described him to a T and said that there was unfinished business between us, which there was, There, that I needed to sit down in the quiet by myself and talk to him. Well, I felt stupid doing that. There's, you know, I wasn't going to do that. Um, there was an occasion um, not too long after this began that I was in the shower in the bathroom that had no ceiling fan, no window, and the door was shut and locked. Right. I was facing the shower head with the wall on my right, and if you were to take a straw and blow on something, Yes. it didn't hit around my ear. It blew into my ear. And I turned around knowing there's a full well that there's a wall there. Yes. And it scared me so bad. And I know it was him because that was the kind of game player he would be. Well, my question is the following. How could you possibly have another relationship with your old boyfriend still there well this is this is interesting that you say that because my friend that heard this as well there had been another guy that had asked me out several times and i politely said no yes thank you anyway and he had asked could i give him a ride home one night right and my girlfriend said I'll, i'm going with you and she's the one that had heard it and this guy asked me i had to get out of my car my side of the car to let him out of the back seat sure and he asked me to walk him to the door and he was a friend, you know, I had known him, and I said, sure. And I was gone maybe two minutes. And I came back to the car, and she was waving at me, get in the car, get in the car. <laughs> and I got in, I said, what is the matter? And she said, he is really mad, meaning my mm -hmm. boyfriend that had passed away. And I You're said, what right. do you mean? Yep. And she said, as soon as you closed that door, that bell started going and going and going and didn't stop until I was almost back to the car. Well... Wouldn't such a thing utterly uh, interrupt and disrupt your love life for a long period of time? Well, it, I wasn't, I mean, it, his death affected me in such a way that I wasn't interested, you know, for quite a while in a relationship anyway. Um, I contacted his sister and asked, you know, there was a book that her mother had received as a gift, and I wanted to know the name of this book on death and dying. Yes. And she just immediately, why do you want to know? All right, we've got to cut it there because we're at the top of the hour. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care. We'll be back.
Bill is taking your calls on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. That's area code 702-727-1295. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. I bid you welcome to Ghost to Ghost AM. If you're just joining us at this hour, this is that day of the year. Now in this time zone, officially All Hallows' Eve, when we tell ghost stories. We don't have a guest. We turn it over to you, the audience, and we let you tell the stories, real ghost stories. You think they exist? Uh, I know they do. I don't know what they are, but I know they're real. There's something real occurring. There's no question about it. And so this is the night we tell those stories, and we've been doing so for the last two hours, and we'll probably do so to some degree tomorrow night as well. We do this every year. You're invited to participate if you have the intestinal fortitude. You're invited to listen if you have the intestinal fortitude. We're looking for real ghost stories, really scary and true ghost stories. If you want to participate, well, we're as close as your telephone. We'll get back to it all in a moment. Oh, one other thing. It's not a ghost, but it damn sure almost looks like one. I spoke earlier in the day with Renee from Strange Universe, and they have received more video of a purported alien. It's going to be shown on Strange Universe tomorrow night. So Renee sent me a still-grab photograph of this. You know, she says alien, but in the still photograph, I think it's something closer to a monster. I don't. I hesitate to say Chupacabra doesn't exactly look like that, but it sure is nothing you'd want to meet up with. You go take a look and let me know. It's on my website right now. You'll get kind of a sneak preview of what you're going to see on uh, Strange Universe tomorrow night. It's ugly. There is no question about that. It's on my website as of about an hour and a half ago. At www.artbell.com, www.artbell.com. Go take a look. Let me know what you think. Anyway, we'll get back to ghost-to-ghost stories in a moment. All right, the following short story, uh, facts, comes from a fellow ham, John, and it reads as follows. Art, years ago, I lived in eastern Oklahoma operated a recording studio for a well-known rock star at his remote lakeside facility. Famous musicians would come to visit, stay at the house, which was built to accommodate them. The recording studio was built high on a hill with a view of the lake, cove, and surrounding hills. I had been in charge of building the studio and had spent a lot of time in solitude there. One night, while I was drifting off to sleep, a very dark cloud formed in the upper corner of my room. Its presence was so malevolent and frightening that I literally thought I was going to die. It felt as if 
It was going to suck the very soul out of my body. I stayed up all night long praying, crying, trying to dodge this damn thing. As it approached my, uh, approached me time and time again, its presence was palpable in the room. It was freezing cold in there. Whenever this thing, whatever this thing was, whether on the ceiling or drifting along the wall, solid matter seemed to disappear. It was as if this thing was coming from an entirely different dimension and somehow was coming through or out of my ceiling and wall by morning. It had gone. Months went by, and the studio was finished and ready for its guests. The first guests arrived and went into the rooms for the night in preparation for the next day's recording sessions. My room was located several hundred feet away. In the middle of the night, I heard screams and shouting and went to see what was the matter. The guests were running out of their rooms, yelling about something unseen, terrorizing them. When I went into the house to investigate, I heard chains rattling. It was ice cold. Covered doors were banging uncontrollably. It was a scene out of a B-horror picture. The guests got in their cars and left right at that moment, never to return again. In the following months, others did come to stay. Few were bothered, but if the, in quote, spirit that lived at this facility took a disliking to anyone there, it made their lives a living hell until they left. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Martha. Hi, Martha. Where are you? In Oak Cliff, and I listen to you on KLIF. In, in, in Dallas? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, very good. I live in the section of Dallas County where KLIF started out. All right. The radio station. But my incident occurred in 1964 when they had uh, that terrible earthquake in Alaska. Oh, yes. And uh, my six-year-old boy, I was living in a three-room duplex at the time trying to save up money to buy my first house. My six-year-old boy slept in the living room or the front room where we had our 19-inch portable black-and-white TV. Sure. And we came in late that night, that Sunday night, you know, and I told him, I said, now, don't you watch TV. You go on to bed because we got to get up. Standard instructions, yes. Yeah, I mean, old mothers, because we had to get up so early, you know, because I had to be at work at 7 o'clock and had to take them to daycare before I got there. But anyway, getting back to my ghost story. Like I said, it scared the pants off of me, and I still have never been able to help anybody to explain to me what happened. But the television came on, and I thought he was disobeying. You know, I could see the flash of the TV, you know, the brightness on the wall. And I went in there, and I told him, I said, you turn that TV off, I told you not to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mother, I didn't touch it. And I went over, turned the TV off. I go back to bed, and a few minutes, the light blinks again on the wall. So the TV's back on. And I was fixing to give him the spanking. And I went in there, and the TV was back on. Now, I unplugged that booger from the wall, no, no, and it no, was no, still no. playing. I, say what? You I, unplugged I, it from the wall? I unplugged it from the wall, and the darn TV was still playing. Well, it scared me so cotton-picking bad. Uh-huh. That I give the TV away, and I guarantee you I found many other places to live the next week, and I moved. 
and I've yet to find anybody that explained to me how that TV could be a plug-in and it unplugged from the wall. That can't be. It well, can't, it sure it, it did. can't be, and I would have done exactly as you had done. Uh, was the TV controlled by a remote control? No, this was in 1964, just plain old off and on knob. Sure, I remember those old 19-inch black And, and whenever I unplugged it from the wall, that one thing was still playing, and it scared me so bad, I, I just bundled up my kids and went to my mother's house well, in the middle of the night. Good That's, for you. That is uh, one of the most rational decisions I've heard this night yet. But someone told me that that morning in uh, Alaska that had that severe earthquake. That is correct. And they told me that it's possible that something other about the electrons or something other. I don't understand electricity or radios or TVs. I just know they weren't. But that scared me so bad. I got the heck out of that apartment and I gave that TV away. Well, I would be disinclined to think it had anything to do with the earthquake and I would be I'm very much inclined to think you did the right thing. Could it be a ghost or a booger? How, how in the world could a TV still play and it unplugs in the wall? Uh, it cannot, dear. It cannot, period. I, I appreciate your call, and you did the right thing. I am absolutely astounded at how many people will have something like that happen to them or something even more severe, as we've heard already this morning. And they don't do what I do. And I tell you, I would turn tail and I'd run. I'd be out of there so fast. And, and there was a rational lady. Oh, yeah, I bet sure. If I had a TV and, um, and it would continually come on, I would imagine first an electronic glitch. And then I would do as that lady did, and I'd unplug it from the wall. And if it still came on, I'd be out of there. West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art. Hi. I called you last week when you had uh, Patsy on. Oh, yes. And I asked her to help me make a deal with the devil. You remember me? I remember you, yes. I, I remember uh, thinking at the time, this guy has lost his mind. Why would you want to make a deal anyway? Uh, I don't know. Desperate times call for desperate measures, maybe. Anyway, two days later, I was indeed visited by a presence. By a presence. You're talking about after you called the program when Patsy was on. Right. Harlan. By the way, we're going to repeat that program Saturday night, Sunday morning. Well, that's why I don't exactly tell who I am, because I don't want anybody to know who I am. Oh, that's one of the, the strangest, scariest programs we ever had on the air, period. Uh, but you're telling me, following that program, you had what? I was in my room that Saturday night after your show. Yes. Your repeat show. Yes. And I was laying there in the dark, and I had turned off the radio, and I was getting ready to go to sleep. And as I was laying there, I began to feel... Cold, very cold. Yes. And then I heard a voice, and it asked me if I was sincere about what I had asked for. Mm hmm And at this time, I was, I, I, for some reason, not, you know, asking for something like that. You should be prepared for just about anything. But I wasn't. 
and it scared me. I mean, it really freaked me out. Well, and so what did you say? I said no. I was, I mean, I was so scared. I just, I said no. Congratulations. Good decision on your part. So I turned the lights on and sat up all night long. Uh-huh. Uh, good decision on your part, sir. Congratulations. Uh, and, and, and have a nice life. Uh, that man, you may or may not have heard it. We did a, a show with a self-described witch. I would think closer to a devil worshiper would be appropriate. In the case of Harlot or Patsy, as you will. And this man called during the show and said something that I would never say. And most people would never say he wanted her to help him make a deal with Satan. He wants, I don't know, better job, more money, success, romance, whatever. And he was in a situation in his life where he was willing to make a deal and requested it. So I'm not surprised that he had a visitation. I do congratulate him on his decision, an important moment. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. How are you doing? Fine. Where are you? I am in Sedona, Arizona. My name is Jeff. Mysterious Sedona. Um, before I tell you my story, do you, do you mind if I make a comment on the last caller? No, go right ahead. Oh, I'd have to say I listened to that show, and that was the most disturbing part of the show for me was when he called. And now I have an overwhelming sense of relief for him. That's 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 one. Well, I agree with that. I I, I don't think it was the most. To me, the most disturbing part of the show. You may or may not have heard at the very end. Uh, with the child. Uh, the five-year-old. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. That was rather disturbing. I, I'm not going to get over that for a while. At any rate, go right ahead, sir. Okay. Well, my ghost story. Um, there was one night when I was uh, laying in bed and it was dark and uh, I looked. I looked up uh, and opened my eyes, and I saw this sort of green blob. Like it looked like sort of a gaseous cloud that it had sort of the feel of a, as a uh, a presence. Mm-hmm. And um, it looked as though it was observing me, even though it didn't have any eyes or anything. It just sort of had the feel of it was observing me. And probably one of the weirdest parts about it was. Um, it looked as though it was floating about 30 feet high, even though my ceiling was probably only about 12 feet high. Not good. Well, the interesting thing was is that, you know, thinking about it, it sounds like a scary thing, but I had a, a very strong feeling of calm with it around. Okay. It wasn't until after it left that I got scared. It sort of, I told you, it looked like it was about 30 feet high. It sort of you know, the ceiling sort of came back and then it was gone. Any sense at all of uh, whether it wanted something of you or anything at all other than it came and it went? Well, it it felt like, it, well, there's no real words to describe it, but the feeling was that it was observing me, and that was... Um, you sure you weren't dreaming, drunk on drugs, otherwise? Oh, I'm sure. I'm very sure. I I, I stay away from all that. So yeah, it was, it was very real. You couldn't have been asleep. I couldn't have been asleep. 
And actually, um, the floor above was uh, where my parents uh, slept at the time. Yes. And uh, they said they had felt something. Oh. And they, they thought they didn't see anything. They just sort of felt something. And they said it was rather, rather strange. As you think back on it, what do you think it was? Um, I just think, um, you know, I know as we as human beings, we like to observe small creatures and bugs and, you know, people who are scientists or whatever, like to study other life. I think that's what it was. It was something else studying me. That's a good answer. I, I appreciate your call and your story. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, is it not reasonable to assume that there, if there are others, and I had occasion to watch the movie Contact uh, once again, what a pleasure. I love that movie. I, I don't care what some people have said about Contact. I thought Contact was a brilliantly done, brilliantly executed, brilliantly acted, brilliantly conceived movie. And one has to recall uh, that line, which you should always remember after seeing that movie. With regard to the universe, uh, the greater cosmos out there, are there others? The eternal question, well, if there are not, what a waste of space. So is it not reasonable to assume that there are others, that uh, through special relativity or through something we don't begin to understand right now, those others can and do visit us and observe us and therefore may be nothing at all like anything we would recognize. That makes sense to me. Well, all right. For Ramona, my dear wife, who thinks this song describes her to a T, here it is. I'm Art Bell, and this is Ghost to Ghost AM. I hate the world today Looks so good to me I know but I can't change Tried to tell you but you Look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath Innocent and sweet Yesterday I cried But the then relief To see the softy side I can understand how you'd be so confused I don't envy you I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch, I'm a lover I'm a child, I'm a mother I'm a sinner, I'm a saint I do not feel ashamed I'm your help, I'm your dream I'm nothing in between No, you wouldn't want it any other way You take me as I am May mean you'll have to be a stronger man But to sure that when I start to make you nervous And I'm going to dream I'm Mark Bell I just happened to be in the neighborhood, so I dropped by to extend a special invitation for you to join me Sunday for Dreamland It should be a great show My guest will be Dr. Elvin Taylor The topic, subliminal perception Don't miss it Sunday, Greenland, right here on everybody's favorite radio station.
taking your calls in the Kingdom of Nye from east of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. That's 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now here again is Art. Actually, it's Ghost to Ghost AM with Art Bell. And you, tonight, and for a bit of tomorrow night as well, or who knows, maybe the whole night. Ghost stories, not from guests. I can get those. Many, many, many clamor to be on here on Halloween, but we hold it open for you. Real ghost stories. If you have the intestinal fortitude, go turn your lights out, turn your radio up, and buckle in. Hey, Art. One night, I heard my wife, while she was in the bathroom, talking to Bart, our white cat. Only problem was that Bart was sitting at the foot of our bed looking at me rather quizzically. The next moment, I heard my wife screaming frantically. I rushed into the bathroom to find her white as a sheet and nearly hysterical. You see, when I finally calmed her enough to get her to describe what had occurred, she told me that a white cat, whom she thought was Bart, had followed her into the bathroom. And so she talked to him for a few moments and reached down to pet him and realized as her hand passed through him that his eyes were blue and not gold, as are Bart's. Uh, by the way, we didn't have any other white cats at the time. Wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing. This is Tony in Las Vegas. Yes, Tony. Now, this story encompasses a week and two-day period. Well, we'll, we'll have to boil it down to a shorter period. Oh, yeah, it is. It is, okay. but I'm just saying how long it, it took to the whole the whole uh, story. One day it started with uh, nobody home, and I had an eerie feeling that day. I've had them before, but uh, I've been racked, saturated by poltergeist-style hauntings before uh, in my early life, and uh, this is just one one story. Uh, nobody was home that night. I just got done with a filling, su uh, filling supper, and I went upstairs to relax and uh, one of the lounge chairs and watch a little TV in the upstairs sunroom, and a, uh, there was no there was no storm or anything outside, and all of a sudden, bam! A huge uh, uh, lightning bolt hits right outside the window that I was actually facing it at the time, and it was so big it it just encompassed the whole outdoor area. That's how big the lightning bolt was, and off that bolt of lightning came a very small, very like about uh, two centimeters thick streak right off of it that was blue in color, and it came right through the crack of the closed windows. I got down on the floor because it wasn't immediate. It was really slow, its approach. It entered in. It came in and hit the top lamp of the uh, the lamp inside that room and hit it. As it did, I crawled out on all fours, scared the living daylights out of me, you know, as fast as I could. Sure. Um, the next day... Uh, you know, of course, it blew out the light bulbs. Uh, the next day, I went up there to change the light bulb and uh, went in the room. 
Uh, it was all dark. There was a little light creeping in from the other room. Mm-hmm. I went to put the light bulb in. As I started screwing it in, it slipped from my hand and fell down to the ground. I just enough light to see it bounce like a foot, and that was about all the kinetic energy it had to roll about a foot, you know. Sure. And uh, so I, I went and got a flashlight. Well, actually, at first I looked with my hands on the shag carpet and couldn't right. feel it. Right. Then I went and got a, a flashlight because I was frustrated I couldn't find it. Nobody was home that day again. Uh, the flashlight uh, unveiled no light bulb. Uh, the room was literally uh, basically furnishless because we were remodeling the house at the time. So I was like, oh, my God, where did this light bulb go? The room was only about... 15 feet by uh, 10 feet. Right. And so uh, the only other place it could be is like in, in one of the four cabinets. I looked in there and it wasn't there. And then finally, about two hours later, I was in tears because I couldn't find this light bulb. And literally, I decided, you know, well, why not look under the radiator? Duh, duh, look under the radiator. Well, I looked under the radiator. If if a light bulb was to go under, that wouldn't have fit anyway. This, these are these East Coast radiators. You're familiar with them? Oh, of course. The Yes, of course. A light bulb simply hardly, barely fills, uh, fits under them. And then, uh, finally, I found the light bulb, uh, and believe me, it put chills up my spine. It was crammed behind the uh, radiator, literally, up in the middle section where the, the, the cover goes, the cover that fits over the radiator. Impossible. Yeah, impossible. And and I checked it for dust to see if it had been sitting there for months, and, and it it wasn't. Uh, I got over that situation. That's just one poltergeist incident that was connected to another. Then about uh, one, let's see, about a day later, we went out to Rockwoods and Babbler State Park just out of St. Louis with some friends of mine, and we were going to go around night hiking. What you do is you just go out there with no flashlights and start running down pathways. It's kind of eerie. And we went out there, and we got out of the car after we got done parking it. We went out and started doing some night hiking. After we got a little weary, we sat down. We, we you know, uh, just wanted to relax, catch our breath. Um, all of a sudden, we heard all these dogs and stuff barking. We were out in the middle of a state park. There's virtually hardly anything around. If you do hear dog, dogs barking, they're barking real loud, and they're in the distance. They were barking everywhere. And we got kind of eerie feeling, you know, and we were just sitting there. And all of a sudden, over the top of one of the hills, we thought maybe there was an escaped convict or something out there. You know how we get, you know how kids get, you kind of think sure. anything. And this light pops over the top of the hill about uh, 200 feet away. The light was about the size of a basketball from our vantage point and it was completely white. When it came over the hill, we had figured it was a park ranger. He was going to kick us out of the out of the park. So we, you know, stood still and were hoping he didn't point it right at us. And and the light apparently started moving down towards us at a kind of diagonal angle. We didn't hear any leaves crunching or anything. This was in fall. It was kind of odd, you know. Okay, got a hurry here, Tony. Okay, and so we were getting paranoid. There was no reflective surface from the light beam itself, and it was completely round, which was actually like it was pointing at us. When the light got to the bottom of the hill, and meanwhile, these dogs are still barking, like with their heads, you know, like they just got uh, hit on the back or something, and uh, we, you know, we're getting a little paranoid. When we got to the bottom of the hill, the light turned off, and then it turned back on. We got up, and we thought, what's this guy doing, you know, and then he started the light started going back up the hill. We noticed this light kind of floated. It didn't look like a normal flashlight, somebody yes. holding a flashlight. So we, we were getting ready to get up and take off running. When the light got back up to the top of the hill, it didn't stop there. There was just enough moonlight. You, 
could see the black tree lining and then the starlit sky above. This light rose above the tree line and stopped about 20 feet above the tree line and stopped. As soon as it did that, of course, we all got up. And we, you know, and we're getting ready to run, but we we're still frozen, you know, with just shock. 30 seconds, Tony. Yeah, and we we took off sprinting down this pathway in pitch blackness towards our car. This thing started move, took a right hand, started panning us as we were running. And we were hoping it wasn't going to meet us at the parking lot below. But I just thought I'd call and share that uh, story. We didn't see the light when we got to the parking lot. We left the park safely, and everything turned out okay. But I'll tell you something, Art. That was a very scary experience. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Two stories of light. I like the light bulb story better. Now, that's impossible. That really is impossible. If you're familiar with the kind of heater he's talking about, the, uh, the East Coast type older heaters, uh, the radiator type heater, heaters, they're, uh, they literally went right down to the ground. You, there wouldn't be enough room. You would just have to jam something physically up in there. And there's no way you could drop a light bulb and that it could suddenly lodge itself up in there. That's totally impossible. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi there. Um, Terry in San Antonio. Yes. Oh, San Antonio. Oh, yeah. there's, there's a wonderful ghost story from San Antonio. Uh, but go right ahead, sir. Um, this, uh, this occurred in 1973. I was uh, 13 years old, summer of 73. Um, a year before that, my father had passed away. And uh, in January of, of 73, my brother had committed suicide. Um, my other two brothers who were still at home were out uh, for the night. It was just my mother and myself at home. I was in my bed near midnight and uh, looking out the window up at the stars. At the foot of my bed was a chair that my mother had placed some freshly laundered uh, pants in, uh, folded and, and laundered. And uh, about midnight, I felt like someone had walked into my room and was watching me. Sure, I know uh, the feeling. And uh, just the idea that it, that it stayed there. And I, I was not brave enough to turn around and look by any means. Um, if it was my mother, I didn't want to scare her by moving suddenly. Um, and if it was anything else, I didn't want to get scared by moving <laughs> right. suddenly. And uh, after about two hours, because I could hear the, the clock in the front part of the house chiming of uh, the different hours, after about two hours of that and the tension, I went on to sleep. God, you laid there for two hours uh, in that state? I wasn't about to turn around. This was an old house that was built from an older house. Okay. Uh, the lumber was older than the house itself. Understood. Uh, got up the next morning uh, and on the way to do whatever I would do in the summertime. Looked down and the pants had been creased like someone had been sitting in the chair. <laughs> and uh, th that's that's one thing. Another thing was about seven years later I was getting ready to go to work. And the, the bathroom was near the front of the house where we could see the driveway. We had a circular driveway, and it was gravel. And my mother was in the back of the house where the TV was. She heard the same sound I did. It was the sound of a horse clip-clopping into the driveway, uh -huh. like someone was riding into our driveway. Well, a horse is not unusual out in the country where we lived. Right. But at 10 o'clock at night, it is quite unusual. Mm. Um Looked out the window immediately. We had a outdoor light out there. Saw nothing. Went out on the front porch after I got dressed and, and saw even you know nothing out there at all. Uh, but my mother even heard the sound with the TV going. 
in the very back part of the house. Well, I appreciate the story, sir. Um, and I I don't know that I could have done that. I, I don't know that if I felt a definite presence that I could sit there frozen for two hours doing nothing about it. I don't think that I could do that. I, I think that I would be so filled with terror and that it would build as time went on that I would be forced to turn around or flee one of the two. When I was 13 years old, my dad was listening to a ball game and eating popcorn. And I remember very distinctly the way a shadow looked on the wall, a man eating popcorn and smoking a cigar. Instead of looking at my dad directly, I was watching his shadow. He said out of the blue that I would make it to America and that he would join me there on his 66th birthday. Well, he died when he was 46. When I met a young stockbroker from America, married her, and moved to America 10 years ago. Some friends of mine had a Ouija board at a party, and when I put my hand on it, they spelled out the word dad, D-A-D. 13 years later, in the year which would have been my dad's 60 birthday. I woke up at 13.01 hour on my dad's birthday and went to the kitchen for a glass of water. I had a heart attack when I turned around and saw the shadow of my dad eating popcorn and smoking a stogie. My wife was out of town and when she got to the hospital where I was in intensive care, she demanded, that's what you get for eating popcorn and smoking cigars in the house while I'm away. We never have popcorn, and by the way, I don't smoke. She smelled popcorn and cigar smoke when she got home three days later. I never told her what I had seen that had prompted my heart attack. In fact, I've never told anyone until now. That's from Jim in Kentucky. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Nice finally getting in touch with you. Uh, glad to hear from you. Where are you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. This All is right. Don. Yes, Don. Uh, I just had an experience back in 89. I was living in Dallas, Texas, and I had a phone friend that, you know, we'd talk for hours on end. And one night she called me up, and she was just real nervous as, you know, anything. And I asked her what was wrong, and she said that uh, a couple days before, a friend of hers had passed away, and her dad, on that same day that uh, the person passed away, gave her a CD player. Well, two days later, he gave her a CD with the song, uh, Think of Me and I'll Be There. <laughs> yes. And uh, this night she called me, she was crying because that song had been playing over and over and over for hours. And, you know, there were other songs on the CD, but it, for some reason it would just skip back to that song. Uh-huh. And her dad, and I got verification from him, uh, her and him pulled the plug on the CD player, and that song kept on playing. Even with the plug out of the wall. Even with it out of the wall. Sounds like the TV. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what reminded me about that. And uh, 
you know, they tried to try and open the CD player to get the CD out and everything, and they couldn't even get it open to do that. And so it was a real strange experience, and her and I talked for all four or five hours that night, and during the whole time you could hear that song over and over and over again. These things just are not possible in the real world. I mean, uh, there is one area that I know about. It's electronics. TVs with plugs pulled from the wall and CD players without power don't play. Well, common sense would tell you that. I mean, that I, I don't know how to explain it. All I do know is that... You well, know, I know, but if you listen to that lady, I mean, people are inclined to, to, to attach whatever explanation... You know, their mind is willing to accept. Uh, for example, the lady said, well, there was an earthquake in Alaska. Well, earthquakes don't cause TVs to go on with the plug out of the wall. Right. I just couldn't explain it. And it, you know, uh, it seems kind of strange uh, that that would, hearing that other lady talking about that, you know, with her TV, uh, it just reminded me of that, what happened down there. And, you know, I'm still to this day trying to explain how or what, would cause that, you know. Did you two have a big, big emotional attachment to each other? Well, we were real close, but uh, to be quite honest with you, I had never met her in person. We just knew each other from a uh, chat line. Oh, I understand. Uh, uh, but, they, but you can form emotional attachments in all sorts of uh, ways. Well, it got to the point she could finish my conversations and yep. I could finish hers, too. Well, there you are. And, you know, just to... You know, hearing the lady on the TV deal, uh, it just brought back memories of that other incident. I understand. All right, my friend, thank you. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. Human emotions, people attached at the hip and the brain, you know, that kind of thing, brings on all kinds of strange things. From the high desert, this is Ghost to Ghost AM. by first dialing their access number to the USA, then 1-800-893-0903, 1-800-893-0903. And you may fax art by calling area code 702-727-8499. That's area code 702-727-8499. 
please limit faxes to one or two pages. Now again, here is Art Bell. Ghost to Ghost AM underway. And that's true. It'd be fun to get some international ghost stories because these things, these strange things, are not limited to our country by long means, by long shot. So, no matter where you are in the world, get hold of the AT&T operator. Give it a try. It will not cost you a penny. It is free from anywhere in the world outside the USA. Get hold of the AT&T operator and have her call for you in the U.S. 800-893-0903. That's 800-893-0903. Wherever you are around the world, be fun to hear some stories from elsewhere. Well, all right, to the international line, and where are you, please? Hello, Art. How are you tonight? Um, my name's Sean. I'm calling you from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Excellent. Uh, welcome to the program. Do you have a story for us? Oh, yeah, I have a story, but it's not a, not what I'd call a scary story at all. Um, three years ago, I bought a house in Kirkland Lake, Ontario, Canada, and my daughter, who at the time was eight months old, uh, she was diagnosed when she was about four with asthma. And one night, I, I'm, I'm a truck driver, and I got home from, from uh, California. I just finished doing a California run, and my wife, she had left, gone to work. And I put my daughter to bed, and I went to sleep myself. And I, w I was sound asleep, and all of a sudden, it was almost as if uh, somebody came up and gave me, a, like, a good hard shake. And uh, I woke, and... Uh, there's almost a smell as if somebody had been baking in the kitchen. And uh, I listened, and I heard my, my daughter there. She was having trouble breathing in, in the next room. So I went in, and I, I tended to her. And uh, and uh, lay, later on, uh, oh, I guess it would be a, a week or so after that, um, we, we bought this house. It was an estate sale when we bought the house there. We bought it, uh, I guess an old woman had lived there and passed away. And uh, so we got uh, furniture and that with the house, like a sideboard full of uh, dishes and that. And uh, my, wife, my wife had arranged the dishes in the sideboard according to the way she wanted them. But uh, we came home one day and found, went into the sideboard to uh, get some dishes out for dinner. And we found that the dishes had been rearranged in the way that I, I suppose that the old woman who lived in the house before us liked to... Uh, have them arranged or something like that, but uh, she was a sweet old lady, like, um, it just weird things happen in the house all the time. And, and you think it was uh, that old lady, her presence remaining? Well, well, yeah, yeah, like, I know it was the old lady because uh, my daughter, when she was uh, she was two, uh, she, was, she was in her room and she was talking to someone, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I entered the room and I asked her... Who, who she was talking to, and there's the smell again of, like, as if somebody was mistaking, and she said, Oma. Oma. And, and I said, Oma? She said, yeah, Oma. And, like, I got to know the neighbors in the neighborhood there, and I was talking just small talk with my next-door neighbor there. Let me guess. The lady's name who had lived there was Oma. No, no, no. It, it, it turned out that uh, she, she was a sweet old lady always baking for the children in the neighborhood, and uh, all, all the children in the neighborhood uh, referred to her as Oma, 
I guess she was a Dutch old lady, and, and in Dutch, uh, Grandma is, is Oma. I, I understand. I understand. Thank you very, very much for the call. And let me say this. Not only is it my belief that cats, cats see things that we don't see, but I believe that children do as well. And do you know why I believe that? Because they have not yet been conditioned not to see these things. And I think the reason a lot of adults don't see them is because they have been well conditioned not to see anything that their brain is not going to accept. Does that make sense to you? It certainly does to me. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi. Hi. Um, where, have, where are you? I'm in Honolulu. Oh, Hawaii. All right. Yeah. Um, KHVH? Yes, of course. I have um, a real short story and then a, a, a better one. The short one is kind of funny. When I was a teenager, my girlfriend and I were um, staying at my grandma's house, and in the bedroom there was a, a beautiful picture of Jesus on the mount in this um, gold gilded frame, beautiful right. old, old frame, and um, it hung above the bed. And the bed was one of these brass, you know, um, it had a brass headboard and footboard. Sure. And my girlfriend and I were laying on the bed, and we were teenagers, and we were joking and laughing and calling each other names, and we were trying to think of names to call each other. And we were just firing names back and forth, and pretty soon swear words started coming out, you know, more and more frequent swear words. And, you know, we were really using filthy words because we were running out of things to call each other. Yeah. And we were laughing hysterically like teenage girls do. And all of a sudden, this picture of Jesus jumped off the wall and hit her in the head. <laughs> well, a, uh, there's a, a lot of stories about teenage girls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Teenage girls have a certain energy and power that seems to make things happen around them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we looked at the picture, and, and um, the wire that hung it was intact, and the nail was at an angle. So it would have had to jump up, you know, to get off that nail. So. Well, I don't see how you could get a more clear message. <laughs> we, we, we stopped laughing immediately. <laughs> I understand. And, and then the, the next thing, um, I had this happened to me just maybe two months ago. I, I'm a light sleeper, and I was asleep one night. And you know how you toss and turn sometimes and, um, you know, rearrange your pillow. And I had just done that, and I, I wasn't quite asleep, and I felt like some, somebody was watching me. And I turned around to look, and there was nobody there. And I always have this small fluorescent light on in my apartment. And so I could see, and there was nobody there, but I couldn't get over this feeling of a presence, and it was a real evil feeling. Yes. And so I turned my back to it, and I covered myself up, and I said a prayer, and um, and it wouldn't go away. And I said a prayer, and I just turned it over to God, you know, and I said, you know, whatever this is, I'm sure it's my imagination. And I, I thought I went to sleep, and I started to dream. And as soon as um, the dream started, it was like a, a, a window screen, you know, those roll screens being pulled down. Sure. It was like a screen was being pulled down over my field of vision, and on the screen was a geometric pattern. And I thought about this last night when I heard Brad Steiger talking to you about, you know, the geometric patterns. Many have talked about that. Right. Only this one was, um, it was, it was um, mainly black with real dark colors in it, and then it had these bright sparks of gold flashing off of it. Yes. And it's real hard to describe, but, um, you know, it's hard to put it into words. But when I looked at it, and I couldn't stop looking at it because, it was, like I said, it was like a screen being pulled down over my vision, I got these horrible feelings of dread and um, just impending doom and horror 
and terror and ugliness. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is what ugliness really looks like. This is ugliness. And and then I realized I couldn't make this, the vision go away. And I realized this isn't a dream. And um, so I started to say the Lord's Prayer. Well, every time I would stutter a little bit on the Lord's Prayer, the screen would start being, you know, start going up. But then when I would stutter and, and get scared and forget what I was saying, the screen would start coming back down over my eyes. And I realized that something was trying to take over my brain. That's what I, that's the way I felt. And I thought, no, this is a dream. So I sat up and I stood up and I walked around in my room and the feelings of dread was, was, were still there. And, um, you know, I was terrified. And so I walked around my room and I was saying the Lord's Prayer out loud. And the more I said it, the more scared I got. And even though I was walking around, I could still feel the screen, see the screen being pulled down in front of my eyes. And finally I thought, you know, I'm going to be possessed. And I was terrified. And so, Something was trying to take you. Right. And so finally I just said, I can't fight this. What am I going to do? And And I realized that it was probably feeding off my fear. And the only thing I could do was to let it go. And I've never been very good at that. You know, I'm, I've always been a worrier and I've, and a fearful person, and I've really never been good at letting things go. But I just told God, I said, you know, send my angel down here right now because I can't fight this thing, and if you don't, you know, if you don't stop it, it's going to take over my mind. And at that moment? And, well, the feeling of, of fear was still there, but I laid down, and I, I, said it, I said the prayer two or three times. I said, you know, please let my angel be here, and I fell asleep. And um, as soon as I, I mean, you know, as I repeated the prayer, the fear started to, to go away, and as the fear went away, the vision stopped. But, um, but you know, when I woke up the next morning, I was I was fearful. I thought, is this going to happen the next time I go to sleep, you know? Sure. And um, so I went out, and I, I got some sage to cleanse the air in my room, and, you know, I got some sea salt and put it by my bedside and did some of those protective things. But... Um, as time went on, you know, as, as I talked to people about this, and I and I heard some other people say that things like this had happened to them during the night. Yes. Um, I realized that, well, to me, I I take it as it was like a test of my faith, and it's only made my faith stronger. And you know, I, I don't, I'm not afraid anymore. All right. Well, I've got something that will go right with that, uh, dear heart. Back in the early '80s, I was living in the fast lane in Miami, the fast lane. At that time, I knew my lifestyle was morally unacceptable. Nevertheless, I was young and foolish and thought that I had the tiger by the tail, of course. Don't all 21-year-olds think that way. Anyway, as I was drifting off to sleep one night, I saw something which will remain with me for the rest of my life. I awoke to the vision of a face in my darkened bedroom, the face was coming toward me, mouth wide open with teeth showing. The eeriest part of this whole experience was that I, I could hear a kind of an electrical discharge coming from the face. Well, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I did the first thing that came to my mind at the time, began to recite Psalm 23, you know, the one that goes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall fear no evil. The face disappeared. The sound of an electric discharge echoed in my mind. I jumped up, turned on every single light in the house, didn't go to sleep again until it was daylight. I did not sleep at night 
for several weeks. Within about a month or two, I had left Florida and began a new life, one that has never caused the face to return, if you follow me. And I thought that sounded similar. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, this is Colin from Wichita. Yes, sir. Um, well, I, I, you know, I've got a couple weird stories. I don't know. Well, give uh, me give me just one. Your okay. best your best one. All right. Well, I guess when I was about my parents, for some odd reason, when I was a child, every house that we lived in, had some for some odd reason, had a ghost or somebody had been killed in it or you know it was something was weird about the house. And uh, this one house that we lived in, my me and my sister, our rooms were uh, about ten feet away from the steps down to the basement. And our parents' room was at the other end of the house. And mm-hmm. you know, every night we could hear you know steps come or like footsteps coming up. You know, from the basement. From the basement. Not well, good. And you know that was kind of weird, and that scared my sister a lot. Well. And for some odd reason, the ghost, they loved me for some weird reason. But I remember one night at, I don't know, it was it was really late. But my sister started screaming and yelling. And so my dad comes running out, and she was saying something about something's at the bottom of the steps. Well, my dad, you know, he didn't care. You know, he, he went and turned on the light, and he looked down at the bottom of the steps, and his shotgun was laying at the bottom of the steps with shells laying all around it. Yes. Which, you know, for, I mean, he kept it, you know, way away from where anybody could ever get to it. Sure. And, you know, locked up and, you know, all that. And it was just laying right there at the bottom of the steps like something was coming after us. And, you know, and this all happened more or less when, when, our parents would fight when we were kids. Yes. And so, you know, weeks went on, this and that, and then next next thing that happened was when our parents were out to dinner one night and me and my sister were watching TV in the room and uh, we heard something in the kitchen. And, you know, we didn't really, you know, think anything of it. We thought our cat knocked something over. Sure. You know, just the normal thing. The obvious, yeah. Well, we went in and the knife drawer had been pulled out, and there were knives scattered all over the kitchen floor. I mean, not good. Just everywhere. Yeah. And you know, my parents they didn't, my they didn't, they never thought anything about it in any of the houses we li- ever lived in with anything ever happening. They just blew it off, figuring that it was our imagination, or you know, that we were just getting into something and just messing with them. But every time something. This, that house was really the worst about it, but after that, man, my sister ended up moving to the other end of the house, and my parents moved right by the steps because they just she couldn't handle it. Okay, well, what I would tell you is this. Uh, frequently, hauntings, uh, you, see, you may have been uh, somewhat mistaken, and it may not have been that you continually moved into haunted houses, but rather that hauntings followed you. And, or your family. I, I would consider that far more likely than uh, the very unlikely uh, possibility that you continually moved into haunted houses. Indeed, the haunting probably uh, followed you. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning, Art. Good morning. Where are you? 
I am in Elyria, Ohio. My good. My name is Larry. Okay, Larry. Welcome. Do you have a good story? Yeah, it's uh, regarding my father. He passed away about 10 years, 1988. Uh, of course, it was the 1st of January. Uh, after we buried, the day we buried him, uh, the sun was out, but it was still kind of cold, and he always loved, uh, you know, snow. No matter what kind of day, time or night, he always went to the window and watched the snowfall. Right. Well, when we buried him, uh, when we got to the, uh, grave site, the sun was shining and it was snowing. So I thought that was kind of nice. The sun was uh, shining and it was snowing. And it was snowing. Okay. When we when we buried him, uh, this was more. Uh, and then about a, we, me and my mom both had a funny feeling. You know, we had a a feeling of presence. You know, but we didn't know who it was in the house. So one day I got up early and I went downstairs. And there's my dad sitting on the couch. Not good. Uh, he, I kind of stopped. I wasn't afraid. I stopped and I looked at him. I said, hi, Dad. He answered me. And I says, uh, what are you doing here? And he says, I just come back to make sure to tell you to take care of your mother. And after he said that, he got up and he walked into the dining room and he was scared. <laughs> Incredible. All right. Well, thank you very much. Story after story after story after story. Can you really ignore them collectively? I don't think so. Is there life after death? Well, keep listening. I'm Art Bell from the high desert. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. Sound. 
but I'm still around. I'll always be around, around, around. To reach Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. That's 1-800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, call Art at 1-800-618-8255. That's 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, dial Art at area code 702. 727-1222 This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell Now again, here's Art I am here, this is a special night As tomorrow night will be Ghost to Ghost AM And how can you listen to story after story after story Without beginning to wonder Even the most skeptical out there the following from Marsha in Gig Harbor, Washington, says she's too shy to call. Art, one night I woke up with a start, wide awake. I sat up in bed and looked out into the hallway. I could see the door to my kid's room, and I thought my oldest daughter, then about ten years old, I saw her wearing a long white nightgown, sleepwalking. Looking back now, she seemed to glide rather than walk. She came toward our room and then turned into the kitchen. I got up to get her and put her back into bed. Went out into the kitchen, into the living room. No one there. Went into the kid's bedroom, and there she was, sound asleep, wearing dark-colored pajamas. Baffled, mystified. I went back to bed and began to forget about it. Didn't say anything to anyone, thinking they would think I was crazy or seeing things. Not sure, you know, myself, if I had just perhaps dreamed it. Well, several days later, at about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, I told my youngest daughter, then only two years old, go get into bed and get your pajamas on. She ran happily off, only to return a few minutes later, white as a sheet. I sternly said, I thought I told you to get your pajamas on. She looked at me with big eyes and quietly said, I can't. The lady in the white dress won't let me while well, my heart stopped. I took her by the hand and casually walked back to the bedroom. To show her there was no one there when we walked into the room, sure enough, there was no one there. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Morning, Art. Where are you, sir? I'm in Montreal, Canada. Montreal. All right, welcome. I listen to you every night as I'm driving around. Excellent. Tonight I got home a little early and I thought I'd call it. It's not a spooky story per se, but it shows me that there is life on the other side. Okay. I was at a, a Native American church ceremony, which is a grandfather ceremony. It starts at dusk and goes until dawn the following morning. Right. And when I come out there that the morning after it was over, I walked down by the lake and just wanted to go down and meditate. And as I was down by the lake, it was like a, a whirlwind came, not strong or whatever, it just like came around me. And as I looked, I seen this uh, young girl coming out of the mist. And as I got closer, I recognized her as my sister. But as she became, as she got closer and closer, she started growing up and becoming a beautiful young lady. Wow. And then as she came towards me, she just kept.
down the other side of the, the lake. She turned around and said, thank you, I love you, and I'll see you soon. So I got I got scared out of my wits with that. I ran back to the TP and I told the elder, I said, listen, I don't want to die. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? So I relayed the story to him, and he said, no, you're not going to die. She has come back to thank you for letting her go to continue her journey on the other side. And for her to say that she will see you soon, to her there's no time. All she is saying, she'll be there to meet you when you come over onto that side. Oh, that's quite a story. And, you know, and this this happened. My sister died in 1961, and this happened two years ago, so it, it uh, took me 34 years to let her go because we went through the residential school. And in our culture, the oldest one is to take care of the youngest one. Yes. And But as kids, we don't understand that too well, and I took that that I let my sister down because when we were in the residential school, we made a break for it to escape, and I stole the truck, and as we went down the road, maybe a quarter of a mile, we had a head-on collision, and she died in that accident. Oh, my. And I carried that that uh, guilt and shame and whatever for the next 34 years. And he said, uh, and the way the elder explained it to me is that I didn't let her go until that ceremony, and when I did let her go, she finally started to grow up and continue on her journey the way she was supposed to go. Boy, do I appreciate that story. Thank you. You're welcome, Art. You take care. From Montreal, Canada. Do you believe? Do you believe him? Do you believe the others you're hearing? Can you really doubt there's something after all of this? Wouldn't it be kind of a cruel joke if there were not? Do we know the nature of it? No. Does it seem sure? Yes. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, uh, this is Scotty from Fairbanks. Fairbanks, Alaska? Oh, yeah. Is it getting cold up there yet? Uh, right now it's anywhere between 5 and 10 below. It's getting cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome to the program. Oh, yeah, uh, story I've got... Uh, one of my father told me that happened to him when he was about four years old. And he's what, uh, 72 now. So this happened like 60-some years ago. Sure. When he was living in Canada growing up. Um, him and his couple of his sisters, they were in bed, asleep, 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And all of a sudden, his little sister took an elbow to his room and said, Hey, look at this. Look at this. Look at that. And he looked up and there's this figure standing at the foot of the bed, uh-huh. looking at him. Mm-hmm. No, no noise, just quiet as a you know, church mouse. Well, he just, person looked at him, and the door, the bedroom is to their left, and the wall to their right, which would be you know, the second story, dropped to the ground. And this figure just looked at him quietly and turned towards the wall and walked straight through it. And that was last I ever saw him. Wow. And they, to this day, he can't figure it out who or what. Well, uh, one thing's for sure. Um, uh, physical adults in this world don't walk through walls, at least not ones that I know of. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Um, I lived in California. Well, I live in California now. My name is George. And when I first moved into this apartment, it was a duplex. Um, I had a young couple move in next door to me. At that time, I was 21. And I was kind of scared because the place, I didn't know the area or anything like that. And I went next door to meet some new neighbors, and while I was sitting on a couch, 
but I heard things falling at my house, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And you were sure it was back at your house? Yeah, because the duplex, our kitchens were on oh, the wall. I understand, yes. And so I got up and went back to my house to see what was going on, and things were just coming out of the kitchen cupboard. <laughs> coming so, out of the cupboard? Yes, it was literally coming out of the cupboard. You could physically see them coming out of the cupboard? Yes. And she came over to see what was going on. Uh-huh. And it stopped at my place. It literally stopped. And when I stood there and started picking things up and putting them back on the shelves, she came over and was helping me, and it started at her house. And it was getting to us, so for quite a while, we spent our days during the daytime together <laughs> because it had really gotten scary. And one night when I was sleeping, I got shook wide awake and was told, get up now and come over here. And I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I knew I was the only one in the house, <laughs> and I thought, this, this is crazy. And I turned the light on, and I looked at the wall, and there was a man standing there. And I thought, who are you? And he said, come here. And I walked over to him, and all of a sudden he just disappeared. Well, it was kind of weird for me because I felt literally scared, scared to death. Yes. And yet I knew he wanted me to do something. And it sounds strange but it's actually documented in the newspaper. Um, I kept seeing myself in the mirror, and then all of a sudden I could see his face. And I thought, this is, this is not right. And I found it on my neighbor's wall. She came over, and her husband came over, and I moved the mirror. I literally moved the mirror, and there was a room behind the wall. Oh, my. And there was all these... Um, guns and knives, bow and arrows, Confederate money. Really? Flags hanging all over the walls. And it was kind of, I was just kind of freaking out at that point. I'm going, what is this? This is, this is not right. And there was, I mean, there was gun cleaning kits. I just could not believe all the stuff. Yeah. And the next thing I know, I called the police. <laughs> of all the odd things to do, I called the police. And the police come to the house. And they said to me, do you know who lived here? And I said, no. They said, the old chief of police died here. I said, you've got to be kidding me. They said, no. All this stuff belonged to him. And I told them what he looked like. And they said, you don't, you don't happen to, are you joking with us? And I said, no. This is what I saw. And after that happened, after they took the guns and knives out of the house, everything stopped. It completely stopped. The stuff got stopped coming out of the cupboards. But I moved. <laughs> I couldn't handle that no more. I had to get out of there. That would be me, too. Goodbye. That's it. Uh, I'm surprised you hung in as long as you did. Uh, but at least you, in a way, got an answer to what it was. Oh, yes. I really appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Here's one for you. Uh, dear Art, my uncle is a cardiologist. And we were discussing near-death experiences, and I asked him if he ever had clinical experience with any of his patients. I wished for some time I would never have asked that question. He gave an account of a 23-year-old male patient 
which was wait, uh, in which uh, was waiting a pacemaker implant operation. My uncle asked. He was experiencing repeated fainting when heart block conduction failure for beating suddenly recurred. The periods of unconsciousness were becoming more frequent, suggesting a poor outcome. The patient did experience an NDE, and my uncle documented the patient's account. All right, this is my uncle's exact notes. The patient recounted, quote, You were watching the television monitor to guide the pacemaker wire inside my heart. That's when it stopped. I was blanking out, and then you hit me on the chest saying, Excuse me. Then your fist came down like a hammer. I saw that scared look in, look in your eyes. Someone was yelling. Something crashed over to my left, and everybody went crazy. You started shoving on me with both hands, and then I was out of it. I was floating, pitch black, moving fast, moving through a vacuum, as if life never ended so black you could almost touch it, black, frightening, and desolate. I was all alone somewhere in outer space. I was in front of some type of conveyor belt which carried huge pieces of puzzle in weird colors that had to be fitted together rapidly under severe penalty from an unseen force. It was horrible, impossible. I was shrieking and crying. I was deathly afraid of this force. Then I saw a being of light. The wind whistled by, and I rushed toward this beautiful blazing light as I moved past. The walls of the tunnel nearest the light caught fire. Beyond the blazing tunnel, a huge black lake, but it felt like fire, something like a burning oil spill. A hill on the far side was covered with slabs of rock. Elongated shadows showed that people were moving aimlessly about like animals in a zoo enclosure. An old stone building was on the right, mostly rubble with different levels an opening crammed with people trying to move about. Down the hill, I saw an old friend who had died. The last, I recall, they were dragging the river for him. See, he had been involved with gambling. I yelled to him, Hi, Jim. He just looked at me, didn't even smile. They were taking him around the corner when he started screaming. I ran, but there was no way out. I kept saying, Jesus is God. Some way, somehow, I got back as you were putting in the stitches. Obviously, we just heard an experience, an NDE, of somebody who did not go to heaven, but went to hell. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Hello. Um... <laughs> I don't. This isn't a scary story, and it has to do um, with. But it, it's it. It's um. It actually has to do with you in a way too. Oh. Um, my my father died about oh well almost two decades ago, and I've always felt real close to him. Um, over the last few years, I've felt particularly close to him because I've been I had you know I came real close to death myself myself, and I had. You know, some neurological surgery, and, I, and I've just, I don't know, I've, I've felt real close. I've felt real, you know, sensed him really close and stuff recently. And I, sort of like I talked to him and stuff like that now and then. And anyway, it was the night that um, 
You had James von Fromm. James James von Prague, yes. Yeah, it was that night, and I think that was right after the transmitter thing went out. That's right. Yes. Oh, yes. The famous, infamous Area 51 call. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's when it was. As I say, I mean, I sense my dad, and I talk to him all the time. Well, um, everything that James said that night was stuff like I was just captivated by him. I mean, it was all stuff like you know how when you know something but you don't know why you know it. Oh yes. Well, it was the whole thing. Everything he said was like that, and I thought, I know that, I know that, I know that. And it was, just, and so I wasn't prepared when you opened the lines for the callers. I just wasn't prepared, and I suddenly got all flustered because it's like I just knew, I just felt my dad was with me. I really felt it was strong. And so I said, um, you know, it's like I, I was racing, looking for the phone. I couldn't find the phone. I couldn't find the phone numbers. I couldn't find anything. And it's like, you know, the more panicky I got, the worse I got. And then finally, when I did find everything, um, I started to dial. And the first time, I just dialed the yeah, 800 number for West of the Rockies, and um, it was busy as usual. And I tried that a few times. And then suddenly, it's like I, I turned back to, on the radio because I was, you know, I wanted to hear what was going on in the radio. Okay, we've only got a moment. Oh, really? Can I hold on? Uh, and what happened? Oh, well, there's a lot more. I mean, I have to. <laughs> can I hold on over the break? It really is nice. It's a really nice story. All right. Well, uh, it's got to unwind pretty quickly, though. I'll hold you over uh, through the news, and we'll finish up the story on the other side. All right? Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Uh, hold on. Stay right where you are. We're right in the middle of a two-day fest called Ghost to Ghost AM. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. on the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. That's area code 702-727-1295. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Actually, actually it's Ghost ghost a.m. tonight and then at least a portion of tomorrow night as well so don't despair if you've not been able to get in lines are going nuts we're taking ghost stories the scarier the better uh, but only those that are true there's a reason for all this because if you listen to the program collectively it begins to get to the point where you cannot ignore the obvious, and that is that we are more than our physical presence in the short cosmic blink of a mortal life. Anyway, we'll get back to it in a moment. All right, uh, back now to our caller who's going to finish a story for us. Go ahead. Okay. Um, where was I? <laughs> Can you help me out with this? Uh, where were you? Well, uh, you, you it's, I don't you, want to repeat myself. Um, well, you were um, uh, trying to call me, 
Uh, you were trying to dial me, you said. Okay, yeah, no, that's right. I was trying to get through to you, and um, so I tried the 800 number and just got the usual busy. And then I tried that several times, and, and um, it stopped. It, I, it, I stopped getting anything. I stopped getting a ring. I stopped getting a bit. There was nothing. It would right. just go dead. Right. And um, then I, then, and so I, I, I just kept trying that and kept trying that, and um, the same thing. It never, never would ring, never would do anything. And then finally, I just, I just had a sense that I said, Dad, you better dad. And um, and suddenly I heard these bells ringing in, in the phone. I mean, this is really true. I heard these bells. And I thought, oh, this is really kind of strange. And so um, I thought, you know, I thought for sure. And right about that time, I turned back the radio on to see what was going on in the radio. Yes. So at that point, he was saying how um, spirits can contact through, you know, they can use electrical um, phones and, and electrical sources and stuff. Yes. And so when I... When I tried again, I flipped back the radio, and the radio um, was flipping. Was you were you recording? of call the wild card line was on there, but it didn't seem to fit in with the with, with what was being said. So I just thought maybe that's a signal. So I tried the wild card line, and I called. And during this whole period of time, I was getting very very strange things on the other on the other end of the phone. In other words, it rang, it wouldn't ring, but but not the usual kinds of ringing and not ringing. It was very, very strange. And Okay, we've got to get to it here. Okay. The, the, finally, by the very end um, I, of the, of the um, when he was off the air. Um, he is me. No, when, when James was off the air. Oh, James on prom, yeah. That's right. When James got off the air, then I started to dial these same numbers over and over again, and they were all perfectly normal. Um, you know, they responded. The the, the signal was there. <clears throat> and and then suddenly it was like, while, while after the whole thing was over with and I settled down, you can tell I get so excitable. When I settled down, there was, um, there was this thing that I remembered. The very first lady who called in, um, when to talk to James, when they were when she was asked when they were talking about her person that she wanted to contact, there was this point where James said maybe some maybe maybe it's just because it's over the phone or something, but he was having difficulty. He kept saying he kept hearing this this um, he said I kept getting getting Joe Joseph Joey Joey something like that and something he said when you were little. Did you okay, know? listen, you're not coming to a point here. What is the point of this? The point is. Um, the point is, I, my the things that he said were about me, about that didn't fit the lady were exactly about me and my past and my dad, and um, at the very same time that I was thinking all these things, that's what he was saying. And then after I got off the phone, the point is that what, there was an old picture that I have of my dad that was always in the drawer, never was any place else but the drawer. And as I was as I was walking away after the program was over, I found this right in the middle of the hallway uh, well, with my dad. I see. All right. Well, thank you very much. I... <sighs> I don't know how something like that, a physical manifestation of that sort, would occur. All right. About 12 years ago, my mother discovered my 11-year-old sister's stuffed animal, an Ewok. Remember those from Star Wars? Return of the Jedi, in the outside trash can. She thought this to be very odd, for it was in mint condition, not to mention very cute. So, Mom brought it back into the house and put the stuffed animal in her bedroom closet. 
if my sister didn't want it, she figured she'd hang on to it for a while or give it away to someone else. Well, later that night, after my mom had gone to bed, she woke to hear a rustling, scratching sound coming from her closet. This obviously frightened my mother, for it was coming from the exact spot where the stuffed animal was, needless to say. The next morning, it went back into the trash can. Well, this is why I keep my closet doors closed. This is why I don't keep things of this sort in my closet, because everybody knows things like that hang out and do things in closets. On my international line, you're on the air. Hello. And good evening, Aunt Bell. That's right. Ross from the Australian UFO Hotline. I have two matters for you tonight. The, the second matter is relating to a strange event that happened a number of years ago with emergency services personnel going out to a place in Clayton, Victoria. Uh, some strange events there, but uh, first of all... Okay, before you get started, where are you in Australia? What part? We're in the southern Victoria. Victoria, all right. Yes, that's... Um, uh, south of New South Wales and north of Tasmania. Okay. Um, now, you asked me last time we spoke uh, to report back to you on this uh, an amazing fireball event that happened uh, earlier this month. Yes. Uh, do you want me to cover that tonight? Or uh, no, actually not tonight, because tonight we're doing, um, as you can hear, ghost stories. So. Right. Well, we've had a report some time ten years ago where a, 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 a distraught family rang <clears throat> emergency services and police went out to a place in Clayton and uh, uh, the family was distraught about this revolving sound that was going around the uh, perimeter of a wooden home, a fairly large one at that, and the police when they turned up thought everyone was a bit crazy. They said, look, come in and have a cup of tea and it'll start in 15 minutes time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this sound started and the wall started uh, shaking and bending as the sound was revolving around each of the uh, uh, perimeter walls. And he called other police and they ended up having a whole stack of police there trying to figure out where the sound was coming from. And to this day, no one knows how the sound was produced. It wasn't coming from the outside of the wall, it wasn't coming from the inside of the wall, um, and it was just one of these strange events. And the walls were actually buckling? The walls were buckling, and there appeared to be moisture oozing out of the walls as well. Oh, I'd be out of there real quick. Yeah, that place has never been, hasn't been occupied since. Uh-huh, and I can and I understand that. I'm ringing on the I'm ringing on the emergency uh, incoming line, and I should go. I'm sorry to cut you short. Ah, that's quite all right. Thank you uh, very much for the call all the way from Australia, not far from Tasmania. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you're outside the country, someplace or another, Australia or Europe, wherever, South America, North, uh, uh, I suppose, all the way to the pole, you can reach us internationally, toll free. By uh, getting hold of the AT&T operator, the friendly AT&T operator. I don't know how you do that in your country. Wherever you are, ask for AT&T operator. You'll get it. And then ask her to call 800-893-0903. And the call will be free. 
you will not be charged uh, at all, totally free from any country in the world. That number again, 800-893-0903. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello. Hello. I'm calling you from Staticoke, New York, which is, believe it or not, the uh, burial ground of the Iroquois Indian. I'm one mile away from their burial ground. Okay. That is not my story. I was in the funeral business for seven years and nothing ever happened. Then I divorced my husband and lived alone in this... Uh, I tell you, you were in the funeral business... Funeral with, business. With they your, came and went. Huh? I understand. With your ex-husband? Uh-huh. Yes, okay. So everybody always thought, oh, you have both stories from there. Nothing. 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 Well, the story began with the two people that were next door to my parents. When I was a little girl, I used to go over there and bother them. And the old lady used to talk to her son. He was dead, and she would never accept it, and the husband was ready to put her away, you know. And then uh, when I had moved back by that house two doors away, she died the year I moved there. And uh, she left me his little chair. So I had the chair in the corner in the parlor. And this one night, it was August 2nd at 10 after 11. This is Eastern time. I was watching the news. And I smelled, it smelled like mold. Okay? Like mold. Mold. And this little gray thing about... I'd say four two, four foot two, oh. come running through limping. Honestly, I never believed in ghosts. And I had a great game, and he started growling, and he ran up the stairs. And I'm thinking, my eyes are playing tricks on me. I'm tired. And that was that. The next night, my clock at 10 after 11 chimed 13 times. Hmm. So if you go by Army time, it would be 1 o'clock. Right. Which would be 1 a.m. Right, 13... Uh... Well, right. no, 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 no. Thirteen uh, times would be thirteen hundred. Right, thirteen hundred hours. Well, okay, that'll be one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, one o'clock. Okay. So what happened was this little thing happened again, same time, same smell. Everything was almost the same. So at this time, I'm like, this is not, you know, a dream. So I told my mother, and they thought I was nuts. So my sister comes over that night with her boyfriend, who's a policeman. And they sat there, and all of a sudden, 10 after 11, it came through again. Only the light bulb, now, you had people call about light bulbs. Yes. What happened was it flashed, but the bulb did not break. The filament split in half. They ran out. I stayed. I want to get to the bottom of it. Sure. Replaced the light bulb. Next night, same exact thing, light bulb. And when I went into the kitchen, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm ready to move. There's this little book on my counter. It's called The Mechanics of Chocolate Shop. I'm thumbing through it. It's from 1932. Never saw it. Where to go? Yes. It ends on August 26th. It's a little kid's diary of Little League. Right. And birthdays. So there's a name in there, Roy DeLuca. I write it down. And from the funeral business, I had a lot of ties with the churches. And I went to see a minister first. And uh, he, he said, see, that sounds kind of odd. You know, he wouldn't help me. I went to see a Catholic priest who said, he says, we don't like to really talk about it. He says, but it is possible. It's a soul that does not rest. Yes. He says, let me come over the following night, which he did. It came through. He says, you have a young child here. And I get him. No. Anyway, he says, you have a young child here who's not resting, and there's got to be a reason why, and we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm thumbing through this book again, and don't I find Roy DeLuca? 
Okay, he lived in the neighboring town of Mechanicsville. Oh. I bring the book. This man, I, you got to see his face. He said, where did you get the book? And he tells him, and he's looking through it. He says, this book belongs to Bobby Jones. He said, he drowned. God, we were kids. And I said, Jones? I said, my next-door neighbor was Sadie Jones, and she died this year. So I go to my mother's next day, and she, I said, how did he die? She says, I don't know. So I, I don't know what to do. If I go to bed that night after all this happens again, and I have a dream of a bicycle with a bent wheel, a little old-fashioned bike. So the next morning, I'm down City Hall looking through the records. I signed his death certificate. He was an adopted child out of Saratoga. He arrived by newspaper. You could buy a kid through the newspaper back then. Okay, we've got to hurry here. Yes, I'm trying. So what happened was he, the father bought him a bike. He drew, rode it down to the river, got caught in a railroad track, slipped in at 6 p.m. They, they raked the river, and they recovered the body at 1 in the afternoon the following afternoon. Huh. So the priest told me when he comes back, show him his death certificate out a copy. He says, tell him he has to go on. His mother is dead. I did this. He never came back. Well, that sounds exactly right. Thank you uh, very much for the call. The Catholic Church does not like to admit that these things occur. But any of you who have ever heard Father Malachi Martin, uh, who freely talks of these things, he is a, uh, an ex exorcist and has been for a long time, many years. Uh, Father Martin will tell you without uh, equivocation that uh, they absolutely do occur. Now, I think that priests who are not used to dealing with these sorts of things are perhaps frightened of them, and perhaps with good cause. Uh, but soon you will hear Father Martin on the program again. He is presently writing three books simultaneously, so he's pretty busy. But you will hear Father Martin again, and when you hear him, there will be no doubt in your mind, none whatsoever, that evil exists and inhabits the bodies of those who live on this earth until somebody like Father Martin comes along. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bag. He was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. And he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot. And the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player, too. And if you dare to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, but I think I'm better than you. Taking your calls in the Kingdom of Nye from east of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may recharge at area code 702-727-1222. That's 702-727-1222. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. 
Now here again is Art. Okay, this is from Pam in Anchorage, Alaska. Art, this is my story. It's a true one. I was a young 24-year-old stationed at Whitman Air Force Base in Nob Nostra, Missouri. I hope I got that right. I was living in an old house that had been remodeled. The house about 150 years old. Now, I'd been living there for about three months when one night I woke up because of a terrible stench. It permeated the entire house. The smell, a combination of dirt, rot, and alcohol. I was, it was so bad that it woke me up out of a deep sleep. I got up, went throughout the house to try to find the source, couldn't find a thing. Next night, again, awakened, the same smell. This time, I went across the hall to my roommate's bedroom and woke her up. She woke up asking what the awful smell was, so it confirmed in my mind I wasn't dreaming. The third night, again awakened by the smell, but this time... An old man was sitting at the foot of my bed. He had distinct features, but he was transparent. He smelled of rot, dirt, and alcohol. He just sat there. I was so startled, I sat up in bed afraid to move for hours until daylight. I went to work the next day, exhausted because of the lack of sleep. I worked with a woman whose father owned a house that I lived in. And so I described the old man to her that I'd seen at the foot of my bed. I told her about the awful smell of dirt and alcohol. She had a strange look on her face as I described it all. She began to tell me about the couple who'd owned the house before her father. They were an elderly couple, married for 50 years. The woman got sick, and he took care of her until she died in the house that I am now living in. The old man became so lonely and distraught that he began to drink, never leaving the house. They found the old man dead. He died in what was my bedroom. This, of course, disturbed me. I had to do something about it because I was not getting any sleep. That night, I resolved to take care of the problem. Again, I was awakened by the smell. There he was at the foot of my bed again. So I looked at him. I told him I wasn't afraid of him. I told him he was dead, and this was not his home anymore. It's mine. I told him I was taking very good care of his old house and that he needed to leave me alone and go away. He just looked sad, stared at me for a moment or so, and disappeared before my eyes. He never came back again. And neither did the smell. Art, it really happened. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Tish up in Stanaway, Washington. Hi, Tish. And I got a story for you. All right. Had a 97-year-old um, aunt two years ago died. And the funny thing was, is before she died, um, we were called up to the hospital that, that morning. They said, oh, she wasn't going to live. Mm. So we all went up there. And sure. We all sat around, and, of course, she didn't pass on. She kept saying, this is Saturday night. You don't die till Sunday. <laughs> so we're all sitting there all real nervous, and everybody says, well, you, your brother, and your husband all stay behind. And when she gets ready for that point in time, you come get us. Mm -hmm. Before going out the door, they had taken her wedding ring off, which her husband had made just out of a, a tube piping. And they'd been married a great many years, you know, ca uh, Christian people sure so um they left and pretty soon the nurse came in and 
I usually went over during the day and did, a, did, this, did my aunt's hair. And this night I laid next to the bed, and my brother was reading um, um, a pas- passage um, as I laid beside still waters. And I looked down at her, and I said, you know, this is a hell of a way not to get your hair combed. And she looked over at me, and she drew in this breath. And you have a vein, a jiggler vein that goes up and down during your breathing process. Sure. It, it had stopped. And I looked at her, and I said, I can't believe this. You just died on me. So I looked over at my husband. I was really upset. My family came in. And I was distraught over the fact that they had taken her jewelry off of her before she had died, especially the ring. It didn't mean anything. Went downstairs with my husband, cried hysterically, went back upstairs. I wear um, uh, gold rings on my fingers. Mm-hmm. I looked down, and the ring that they had taken off her finger was off my finger. It, it was gone. My, my ring had disappeared, and I'm checking all over the place. I couldn't find it. So that night we went home, and we, we had located it. That night we went home, went to bed. Next day, got up, was gone. Had a dream that my family was trying to take my jewelry. So, of course, I had swallowed the ring. So, obviously, I'm never going to get this ring back. <laughs> Next day, they, you know, they're setting up for the funeral, and they said, well, you know, we're going to bury her. And I felt very bad that they had taken the ring in the first place. Yes, of course. So I'd taken another ring from out of my jewelry box, and I placed it into her pocket, which at the grate, when we got ready to bury her, ended up in her hands. Nobody knew how it got there. And once their hands are together, they're, they're stiffened. I, don't, I can't explain it, but they're, they're very hard. You cannot pull them apart. Right. The ring was in between her finger. Oh, my. <laughs> how would you like to wake up to something like that? <laughs> no, thank you, but I appreciate the story. You're welcome. One thing before yes. I go. Yes. My husband says, you know that guy that um, was on the, uh, about the uh, submarine? Oh, yes. Uh, he said, have you ever seen Crimson and Tide? Uh, oh, yes, of course. The two stories match very closely. Well, similar but different. So, yeah, my husband just, he's too chicken to call you. <laughs> we, we love you to death, and we take you all over the world. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care. Uh, oh, that was quite a story. Obviously, uh, that woman had to have that ring. Understandable. I wonder why, I wonder why, after death, we seem to complete things that are uncompleted in life. Last acts. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Well, hi there. This is Janice, and I'm from Oroville, California. Hi, Janice. And this story happened quite a few years ago when my family was living in Miami. Uh, one day, my mother, I have to back up to say that she was quite the psychic. And one day, my brother was preparing to go frogging in the Everglades during uh, that night. Mm-hmm. And she begged him not to go. She said, please don't go. Please don't go. You can't go. And he said, what's the matter, Mom? And uh, she says, there's going to be a plane crash. Oh, my. And uh, and he was not as much of a believer in my mother's powers as I was, of course. And when his friend came to pick him up to go frogging, she also begged him, please don't go out. There's going to be a terrible plane crash. Mm. And 
sure enough, there was. This was the very famous uh, famous uh, flight. I believe it was Flight 410 that crashed in the Everglades many, many, many years ago. Uh, oh, my, yes, I recall that. And as you will recall, then, if you're familiar with that one, I, I am. it is a haunted uh, uh, airliner. Uh, uh, actually, airliners of the same airline are haunted by... That, that crew. That crew, that's exactly right. Exactly. I, I, well, this even goes on that, that it became a book, and then it, uh, later on, my father was hospitalized, and he had a very nice crew taking care of him there in the hospital in Miami. And my mother had mentioned to the one nurse, and he says, are you going to be on tomorrow as well? And she says, oh, no, tomorrow's a big day. She says, we have all the family coming over. We've rented a, a large TV. They're premiering uh, the movie of the Ghost of Flight. Uh, I believe it was 410. And, uh, it was either 410 so or 401. I can't 401. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was 401. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she said, uh, you know, it was uh, my dad was on that crew. Well, I, I, look, I can add to this. I, I can tell you, I have friends in the airline industry, and they will not talk because, you know, it's a good way to end a career. Oh, yeah. But they tell me there's no question about it. Um, stews and uh, crews, uh, pilots, co-pilots, have reported seeing crew members from that flight exactly. on flights uh, and this has been going on, um, uh, not told generally outside the airlines now for years. Eventually, when some of these people retire, we'll get the stories. I know some of them, but I promised, you know, I, so I'm, uh, it, it is definitely going on. What I have heard about that, that uh, when they recovered certain parts and put them into other airlines, uh, to recycle uh, different parts that were salvageable. Yes. That any plane that, uh, that received parts from that uh, that flight ended up with crew members uh, of the uh, of the down plane on it. Well, I don't have any comment on that, but I, I I thank you for the story, and I can verify without giving details that crew members of that flight have indeed been showing up on um, current flights. The following comes from somebody who calls himself Bum in Sitka, Alaska. Dear Art, I thought I'd fax you an experience my family had when my father passed away in 1992. The Alaska Native way is to have a 40-day party for the deceased. You prepare their favorite food, drinks, and so forth. My family was cooking turkey and seafood. Approximately there were oh, about 15 people present. When the root beer came down the stairs, leading into the kitchen, looked as if someone was carrying a single six-pack. Just as suddenly as it occurred, it stopped on the bottom of the stairs. This, folks, is the root beer coming down by itself. We still have things occurring, like kitchen cabinet doors opening, as if someone is getting a cup down, doors opening, closing, footsteps, just the feeling of being close to someone. We're not scared by it, but we believe and understand my dad is still taking care of us. Enjoy listening to you. 
a true story. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello? Yes. Ah, you're talking to me now. I've been listening to you talk to the other people. That's true. That's very interesting. <laughs> Where are you? Lynchburg, Virginia. Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay, go right ahead. Well, uh, the story I've got got me to thinking all these years about the inter energy, energies involved in life and death processes because I saw a newly formed ghost. <laughs> and I had a partner with me that saw it also. I was a respiratory therapist um, working in big city hospitals in Houston, Texas at the yes, time. Yes, yes. And we were on the Code Blue team. You know, we saw a lot of death, I'm afraid. Sure. Sorry to say. And this one night, this gentleman came in. He was in his late 60s, early 70s. He was very tall, very, you know, distinct-looking fellow wearing blue jeans and a black and red plaid shirt. So, I mean, he, he was going to stand out in the crowd. And sure. And so he had a heart attack. And we were in the doing CPR on him. After about 45 minutes, the physicians in charge called it, called it. And my partner and I were cleaning the tubing and all the paraphernalia we used to resuscitate someone off. And we were going out into the hallway of the emergency room, and we looked down into the lobby where about 20 to 30 members of his family had come, and the doctors were explaining why he had died. And when we looked down there, I guess the lighting was just right or something, we could see this guy who just died standing there, waving his hands in front of the faces of all his family members, going from one to the other, trying to get them to see him. Oh, my. And you could see him mouthing the words. If you could read the lips a little bit, you could see him mouthing the words like, what, what's the matter with you all? Why are you all crying? It's like he didn't know he was dead. And you could clearly see he was still in that ghostly, see-through kind of image. He was still wearing the clothes that he was still laying in there dead in. So that makes you start thinking about ghost clothing. <laughs> How could you handle that? Well, I just puzzled over it. My little lab uh, partner uh, was a smoker, and she freaked out and lit a cigarette, and she still so freaked out. She lit a second cigarette, not realizing she still had the first one with it. And, you know, and I can relate to that. <laughs> oh. You need to quit smoking. You know? <laughs> I know. It's uh, bad for you. I know. All right. Me, I know. I know. I'll be waving at my relatives, probably with a cigarette in my hand. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank Take you. care. Um, that bothers me. That, and 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 it, you, I've heard so many stories like that. People who don't seem to understand that they've died. It doesn't seem to have registered on them that they've died. Consider how frantic you would be. You're dead, but you don't know it. You're translucent and cannot be seen, except perhaps by a few. Emergency medical workers, doctors, nurses. And I wonder if you finally get to disappear when you realize you're dead. Dog card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes, hi. Yes, hi. This is Helen from Chicago. Hi, Helen. Yeah. Well, uh, my husband died quite a few years ago, mm -hmm. and then about two years after he was gone, I was uh, watching TV one night, and uh, I was laying on the couch in my front room, and my dog was by my feet. And uh, he seemed to be asleep. And uh, 
my husband uh, knew this dog while when he was living, and uh, suddenly my my dog sat up. He slowly got off the couch, and uh, he sat down in front of this chair next to the couch where my husband always sat. Mm-hmm. And he started to wag his tail. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he stood up and he put his paws on the chair and his tail was still wagging. And his head went down a little bit and his ears went back and uh, he looked like he was being petted. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I slowly sat up. This went on for, I'm watching my dog for about five minutes. Then I slowly sat up. And uh, I softly said to my husband, I, I assumed it was him, I said, Johnny, if that's you, I'm very happy that you're here, and I love you. Uh-huh. Then my, uh, after another minute, then my dog uh, got off from the chair, and he lay down by the chair, and he, he was looking in the kitchen with his ears perked up, and his head was going from side to side, like my husband was in the kitchen, and he's watching him walk around. And uh, it, I was really happy. It, that's kind of spooky, but I wasn't afraid. I was happy. I was sure that was my husband was here. Well, he probably was. Yes. I believe these things occur. Yes. I, I really appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Okay, thank uh, you. Take care. I, there you go. I believe that, um, and, and I, of course, mentioned cats earlier, but I believe that our animals see things we don't. I rather suspect we see things they don't. But I think they have a unique ability to sense or feel or see. I'm not sure which because I don't really know. But they feel things and know things and perhaps see things that we don't and can't. And so that lady's story makes a whole lot of sense to me. All right. I think we're going to end it here for tonight with regard to Ghost to Ghost AM, and we are going to continue tomorrow evening. Um, The lines continue to ring relentlessly off the hook, so I know there are many, many more of you with similar stories. And this year, because of the fact that Halloween is actually on Friday, All Hallows Day today, it will continue to be All Hallows Day as I come on the air and sometimes zones uh, for Friday night, Saturday morning. So if you didn't get in, don't despair. We are going to continue this to some degree uh, tomorrow night. And again, I say to you what I said earlier. As you listen through the evening, some stories better than others, but... The majority certainly convincing. Collectively, I find it nearly impossible to ignore the evidence that there is something certainly very significant that lies beyond this very simple and short, cosmically very short existence, mortal existence we have on Earth. And it is programs like this, if you listen carefully to them, that will convince you At any rate, it has, as always, been interesting, and I invite you back tomorrow night for more if you have the intestinal fortitude for it. So that's it for tonight. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Wherever you are, 
in whatever time zone, or whatever time, or whatever place. Good night.